I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new week at the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. Uh, unfortunately, our uh, our good friend uh, and sidekick here at the studio, Tom Bionic, is not with us here during our interview this week. Uh, he was not available at the time. We had to make some very, very special arrangements to get this interview with this special person this week, including a couple of false starts we had that didn't work out due to the demands of his schedule. So it made it very difficult for us to get all, all affected parties involved. But we do have a whale of an interview uh, for you this week from a very prominent gentleman. We have Mr. Larry Clayman, who is the founder of the Freedom Watch Public Interest Group, uh, also was the founder of Judicial Watch, a legendary group that uh, has held people in powerful positions in Washington to task, even including President Bill Clinton and other uh, similar figures. And uh, he has come on our show to talk about something brand new and very timely for our show, uh, the fight to expose government suppression of the ET presence. Uh, Mr. Clayman is well-established in conservative circles, and this is something that uh, was completely unforeseen when we saw this press release from him, and we've pursued him to get this story out there. So it's, it's something that's going to be a big story in the days to come. But with no further ado, here's Mr. Larry Clayman, and we'll be right back to wrap up with a discussion here on FutureQuake. Welcome to the FutureQuake Show. I am Dr. Future. And uh, we don't have our co-host with us today, but uh, we have a preeminent guest that we have been looking forward for so long, and we've gone to considerable effort to be able to make arrangements, and so has he, uh, for us to have this interview today. Uh, today we have Larry Clayman, the founder of Freedom Watch. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a very provocative discussion about uh, uh, some initiatives he currently has underway of uh, the fight to expose government suppression of certain information. Uh, Mr. Clayman, I just want to tell you it's an honor to have you on the Future Quake Show. Mutually. Thank you very much, and I appreciate everything you've done to make this possible. Well, it's very important what we're going to talk about today, and it was worth all the effort uh, to do it. Uh, since, since our time is brief, I want to ask you to begin our discussions today. Could you please share with our audience a very brief summary of your background uh, up to the period that led up to your uh, status as a uh, prominent public figure? Well, thank you for that opportunity. And if people want to see my resume, uh, my law firm is claimantlawfirm.com. You can look it up there. But I started off uh, going to Duke University in North Carolina, and I spent four years there. And then after that, I took a year off and worked in Washington for a Republican senator by the name of Richard Schweiker. It was during Watergate. Ironically, Hillary Clinton was just down the hallway from me at the time on the Watergate committee trying to impeach uh, Richard Nixon, quite ironic. Later meet up with her years later. And I went on to law school uh, after that at Emory University, graduated in 1977, and started my legal career in Miami with a large litigation law firm, where I stayed for two years, and then I went with the U.S. Justice Department as a prosecutor and a defense lawyer for a number of government agencies and helped break up uh, AT&T. At that time, we had a telephone monopoly in this country. Uh, Left, uh, went with an international trade law firm. I speak both. Italian and French, and I'm pretty good in Spanish. Uh, and for a few years there, I started my own law firm. Okay. Uh, the Clayman Law Firm. 
And at that point, uh, I began to represent a lot of U.S. importers and other interests that didn't have the money, essentially, to legally bribe politicians in Washington, D.C., uh, and uh, didn't have the clout with judges. They were, you know, medium-sized companies primarily. And I saw the unfairness. I saw the, frankly, dishonesty in the legal system. I saw the intellectual games that were being played by judges and lawyers, uh, the lack of truth-telling, particularly here in Miami. It's pretty fast and loose. And uh, I uh, just was offended by the whole thing. And I was ready to quit, really, uh, being a lawyer. I just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I'm a purist. I do believe that in the legal system, but not as the legal system exists in practice. So I started a group called Judicial Watch, and the meaning of Judicial Watch was really to watch judges, okay, uh, to make sure that they were adhering to the law, not even ideologically, but just following the law. It shouldn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative or libertarian or whatever, the law is the law. You know, it's interesting you say that and because uh, there's a common phrase in our vernacular now in culture uh, talking about people like this being the watchman of society, and now the phrase is, who watches the watchman? Uh, it was very popular in a recent movie, and that's what it sounds like you're saying, is that these folks are watchmen and, and seeing that the law is executed, but they're not above the law. The law is still preeminent, even though their job is to adjudicate uh, how to apply it. And so, is, am I understanding that's what that's what you saw as yeah. your role? That's what I saw. I saw the judges uh, felt they were above the law. In the state system, they were elected. Money to elect them comes from big law firms, corporations, labor interests. So their guys get in as judges. They're frequently not properly trained as judges in this country. We don't send judges to judge school to learn how to be a judge. And then the federal system, it's even worse. They're picked through political uh, favoritism and, and uh, patronism. So we don't have the best and the brightest on the bench. And I had seen judges and government officials perverting the law, making decisions uh, you know, for people who had supported them and hoping that they would get higher posts if they made the right decisions. And I just got fed up. And I started a group called Judicial Watch. When did you begin that? What year was that? 1994. I'd actually okay. conceived of starting it sooner. I've had a run-in with a, a judge, not the first, but <laughs> the one that put me over the top, named William Keller in uh, Los Angeles in federal court. Ironically, uh, an appointee of favorite president, Ronald Reagan, but presidents often don't really get down into the nitty-gritty and see who it is they actually are appointing. And this guy was a alcoholic and a bigot towards every group except his own. And I had a case in front of him, and, and you know, he wore his bigotry on his sleeve, and I asked him to recuse himself, and he refused, and then went after me for seven weeks and took, took a five-day trial, turned it into a seven-week trial. I knew that uh, it was going to be very financially difficult. I was only a three-man law firm. And then, ironically, uh, after the end of the case, my own client didn't pay me. <laughs> wow. I was on the financial ropes. Wow. So I had the concept of starting Judicial Watch sooner uh, to watch judges and government officials, but I started it uh, several years later uh, only because I didn't have money. I was on, on my last legs financially. But when I finally did, I settled the big lawsuit that I had in my law firm, and I used m much of the proceeds to support me while I devoted time 
to Judicial Watch. And, of course, at that point in 1994, when I started Judicial Watch, we had uh, the Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde of American politics in power, Bill and Hillary Clinton, two lawyers, <laughs> not uh, coincidentally. And uh, that was a good place to start. And I always said it costs as much to bring a case against the president as it does to uh, bring a case for your client slipping on a banana peel. So I might as well start with the president sure, and make the example. And that's what I did for for 10 years after starting Judicial Watch. I became very prominent. I'm the only lawyer who ever got a finding that Clinton had committed a crime now, a civil contest. Did you pretty much stand alone? In other words, you knew all these other kind of people who were incensed over, over what he was doing in office and the shenanigans going on, and they all complained, but nobody really took a step forward to do anything about it. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's why Judicial Watch became so popular is because we were an action group. We would bring cases, and uh, we would bring lawsuits, and we weren't worried about the consequences. Uh, I had people appearing in front of my house. I had my kids threatened. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, a life that most people would not want to lead, particularly lawyers who are most interested in money, <laughs> to put it right. bluntly. And, uh, you know, Mark Twain used to say, what's the difference between a prostitute and a lawyer? And that is that you get something out of the prostitute, you know, <laughs> at least you get something in exchange. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, lawyers are a very mercenary, self-interested bunch. Uh, in fact, I have the lowest regard for them of any uh, element of the, prof of the uh, professional world. And Judicial Watch became the anti-lawyer group and the anti-judge group, but we did praise those who we felt were worthy, were ethical, who believed in things. Uh, and I am an optimist. I'm trying to change the system. So I stayed there for eight years. We fought the Clintons. We deposed nearly everybody in the White House. We sued uh, the Clintons personally. Some of those cases are still going on. And then I left in 2003 to run for the U.S. Senate here in Florida. I figured I would give that a shot in the Republican primary and came up against uh, the George W. Bush machine through Carl Rove, who wanted Mel Martinez mm. elected here because of the Hispanic vote. Ironically, I'm very close with the Latin community, and but for Martinez, they would have voted for me. Mm. But uh, And then I went back into private practice. And at that point, when I didn't win, I went back into private practice. At that point, I, I spent some time in Cleveland. Uh, I'm divorced. My kids lived there with their mom. I wanted to be closer to them. But I uh, could not get out of my system uh, who I am. And I reestablished a group called Freedom Watch. And that name comes from uh, West Wing that created a character after me during the 1990s called Harry Claypool of Freedom Watch. Okay. They had all the Clinton writers Clinton administration uh, people like D.D. Myers and others. So life is imitating life is imitating art in this case. Yeah, and and vice versa. I was flattered right. that they created a semi-fictional character after me. It shows that I had been, you know, uh, making some impact. Exactly. And uh, so I created Freedom Watch. <clears throat> I had left Judicial Watch in the hands of people who uh, I think were more interested in cashing the checks and really bringing hard lawsuits. They did some stuff uh, not honoring my severance agreement and misrepresenting things to donors. So I started Freedom Watch. I, I didn't want to go back there. Uh, 
unless those people were removed. I actually have a lawsuit to that effect that's going mm-hmm. on right now. So Freedom Watch is, is continuing on, and the regional directors of Freedom of Judicial Watch, by and large, came with me to Freedom Watch. And we are bringing some very hard-hitting cases, uh, more expansive than I did it at uh, Judicial Watch, dealing with not just government corruption, but issues of freedom uh, nationally and internationally. And you know, we need a group like that right now, I believe, because you know we've got a president who's trying to change the whole fabric of the country, and he's really eliminating a lot of individual uh, freedoms. Uh, he wants to socialize the country, if not right. turn it into some close to communism, frankly. Well, so, well, looking in, in hi- looking in hindsight, uh, how would you summarize the legacy of your time at Judicial Watch? What it accomplished, what kind of footprint it had. Uh, you, you mentioned, if you could clarify a little bit about your involvement with the Clintons, just just a little bit of elaboration on what do you think really occurred and what stands as the accomplishment legacy of your tenure there. Well, the, the legacy is, is that I was able to pry a lot of information out of government. Uh, we triggered the now famous Chinagate scandal and the campaign finance scandal, among other things. And we showed that the American people can do it for themselves, that they don't have to rely on their government. Uh, ironically, we were to government ethics what Ralph Nader was to consumer protection, even though we're politically different. Right. And uh, a tremendous impact uh, should serve as a reminder to the American people that they don't have to sit back and watch uh, what Obama's doing right now or what the Republican uh, leadership, to use the term loosely, is doing or right. not doing. Uh, that they can do it for themselves. And I became known as a national journal, a liberal publication. Uh, gave me my due uh, shortly before I left Judicial Watch that I was the most prominent public lawyer in the United States. And and that was because I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of the establishment. Is that once uh, you show that fear, uh, they have you. And uh, I never showed that fear, and I still don't show that fear. So it, it should serve to, uh, as a reminder to the American people that, you know, they don't have to rock back and hope that someone like Newt Gingrich or Karl Rove or or whoever is going to be their savior, right. uh, that they they should do it for themselves. They should wage a second American revolution peacefully, and there are many ways that we can do that. Well, I'll tell you my impression during those days. My impression was I almost felt like Judicial Watch stood alone and actually trying to put up, by using lawful means, some kind of counter to unchecked and unbridled power. There were a lot of conservatives around that were complaining, going on talk shows, shaking their fists, lamenting, but not a whole lot of people doing anything. And when I heard Judicial Watch come up in the news, and it came up all the time, I mean, they seemed to be the, the major fly in the ointment to the administration, and in fact, any power structures in government, I always knew something was up and somebody had the goods if Judicial Watch was mentioned. And I wondered how you were perceived by other conservative groups, even evangelical groups or conservative groups, by your work. Were you strongly supported? Did they assist you? Were they at arm's length distance? How how did that interaction occur? Well, I had friends in the conservative community. Uh, Paul Wyrick of the Free Congress Foundation helped me you know, in terms of giving me advice and things like that. Uh, but I never really reached out for uh, for help. I remember one time uh, I went in front of 
Grover Norquist's uh, Wednesday morning group. Grover has mm-hmm. you know, for tax reform or, or whatever his group's called. And, and uh, at that time, I had actually been, shortly after I became fairly prominent in uncovering the Chinagate scandal of Clinton, and Gingrich then got into trouble with, uh, you know, his nonprofit, and, and I right. suggested that we had to have an even hand, that we had to uh, call it when we had problems within our own ranks, and uh, Grover and company disinvited me from that group, right. and I showed up anyway, and I lectured them, and I said, look, if we're going to be better than the other side, then we have to live by the same standards. Right. And, um, you know, so I, I never really looked for anyone to support me. I did what I thought was right, uh, and I still do what I think is right. Whether that's right or not, other people can judge. Mm-hmm. But you can't, I, I'm not I'm not part of any uh, so-called right-wing conspiracy, uh, although, frankly, uh, people used to ask me if there's a right-wing conspiracy. I used to respond only if you're doing it right. You know, it's uh, a little twist of Woody Allen's, right? You know, but uh, and, and we did frankly conspire to impeach uh, Bill Clinton. We had a nice little meeting outside of Council for National Policy one day where we all decided to do that. So I wasn't against cooperating, but I never looked to anybody for uh, approval mm-hmm. or uh, orders or instructions. Even our big donors, uh, you know, didn't uh, make any demands on me. I did what I thought was right. You know, that's fascinating. You just mentioned that. Now, now since the smoke's cleared over time, can you say who some of those parties were standing outside uh, the CNP meeting talking to so Yeah, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't technically CNP. It was off, off campus. Cause, uh, but it was Paul Weirich. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, uh, Wayne LaPierre of National Rifle Association. You had Bill Shafley. Uh, you had uh, Ted Bear, a movie guy. You had, I mean, everybody in the conservative movement. Wow. Uh, the social conservative movement was there sitting at that table, and including Bob Barr, who put forward uh, to uh, Congress the articles of impeachment, and we did decide to impeach Bill Clinton. And uh, we never convicted him because the Republicans lost their nerve. Sure. But Bob Barr, to this day, remains, um, you know, a hero to me. He's one of the few people I could talk to on Capitol Hill. Bob's a friend, you know, who um, had the courage to do what needed to be done. Well, you better be careful uh, who you hang out with because he's been classified a terrorist by the Missouri State Police and the Department of Homeland Security. I'm sure you've read the reports on that, right? No, I haven't. What happened? Uh, well, I haven't been. I haven't been in Bob, contact with Bob. Bob Barr and his support. <clears throat> Bob Barr and his supporters, supporters of Ron Paul and supporters of Chuck Baldwin, the Constitution Party, have been declared right-wing extremists and potential terrorists. First, by the Missouri police in the uh, reports they released to the Missouri police to look out even for their followers. But now, uh, Judge or that Napolitano, Janet Napolitano, and Department of Homeland Security has released uh, reports now saying this, uh, and it includes people who are pro-life, Second Amendment, that are uh, potential threats uh, for right-wing extremism. And this came out right at the time when you saw the uh, abortion doctor shot, you saw the uh, gentleman shot at the Holocaust oh. Museum. Yeah. And so it, it just seems like a very timely period of time when this occurs. Um, you, you alluded to this briefly earlier, but 
you've probably had the most exposure to the inner workings of the higher levels and the in the deepest depths of our judicial system of anybody that I know. Uh, given your bird's eye view and experience, how would you describe the state of our legal system in terms of its ability to perform as it was intended to function right now? Um, um, excuse me, a little bit of post-nasal drip. <laughs> our legal system is totally bankrupt. Uh, it's um, It's an embarrassment. People don't realize it. I think people who go into family court realize that, and they see, because that's 75% of the people in this country, regrettably, myself included, you know, have been divorced. And you see uh, the industry of the legal system where judges are scratching the backs of family lawyers. I'm just using this as an example to what goes on generally. Uh, You know, they get elected by the same family lawyers that, appearing in front of them because they make campaign contributions, particularly here in Florida and in California where I live. And the guardian ad litems, they're appointed, you know, through patronage, um, basically stocking up to the family law judge, and, and they charge, and they want to make money. And then you have the child psychologists who come in who are crazier than either you or your kids, generally, and they then run up the bill. And Uh, This thing goes on for years and years and years, and the kids in the process are alienated by one parent or another, and they're emotionally destroyed, and uh, there is no justice Mm -hmm. in the end. And this is just one example. And I see it uh, with judges who wear their politics on their sleeve, who make wrong decisions on the federal level, knowing that, you know, they'll never be impeached for that. Uh, They can basically do what they want. They have lifetime tenure. Uh, it's really a cesspool, the legal profession, and particularly the judges. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. They may be 30% of them play it straight, 70% play it partially straight or, or corrupt. Uh, but the legal system is a complete, uh, utter uh, corrupt cesspool. And, and that's what I've been trying to clean up, you know, all these years. And, I, and I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of the judges. You know, I, I know how to deal with them at this point. Uh, uh, I'll file lawsuits against them, I'll file ethics complaints against them. Whatever needs to be done, I'll do because, frankly, I can't take it anymore. I'm you know, 57 years old, and uh, there's got to be some truth left in this country. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not the paradigm of truth. They're the paradigm of the political backscratching, graft, and uh, whatever else may suit them at the time. It sounds like, apart from your actions, though, there's no accountability in that system. And unless you file certain things that might impede their progress in their career, there's much much less we can do to uh, to be able to stop what they do unimpeded, correct? I mean, you have to do something that could somehow expose what they've done and put a black mark on their career is really the only way to get their attention, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't look for a fight. I really don't. And when I find a really good jurist, you know, I've always been uh, quick to give them accolades and give them awards if I don't have a case with them. I give many awards to judges at Judicial Watch, but unfortunately, I'd say 70% are intellectually or actually, or, or, or lazy to the point where a playing golf is more important to them than the people in front of them, you know, in court, you know, to use a metaphor. Wow. You, you know, uh, our, our uh, show is broadcast, and we have a large national and international audience, but one of our radio stations uh, is one of the major Christian talk stations for evangelicals uh, broadcast out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, we, we have many forums now in the public for people, primarily Christians, 
to lament and complain about what's going on in our country, but very few people take legal means at their disposal to resist or otherwise address these injustices in our society, either due to laziness, or ignorance, or the fear of repercussions like you talked about. Do you think citizens, and in particular Christians, who acknowledge the duty to be their brother's keeper and to try to be salt and light in society, should exercise their right in the courts to address unlawful activity, including uh, unlawful or unconstitutional absolutely, law? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm a Christian myself. And, uh, you know, it's the code. I was born Jewish. I became a Christian. I've actually, uh, my testimony, I've actually talked with with Jesus, I believe. And, um, you know, so I feel very strongly about that. And, you know, our legal system is based upon the Ten Commandments. Our legal system is based upon the Talmud, you know, the, the mm-hmm. law of, of uh, the Hebrews and the Jewish people. We are the same people, Jews and Christians. And that is, Christ was the greatest Jew there ever was. And uh, this is... Uh, absolutely important that we get back to our, our roots and always try to further the principles. Now, you know, back in ancient uh, Hebraic days, people weren't perfect either. You know, obviously the Bible right. tell you that. You know? And uh, you can read Isaiah where it says the faithful city of Jerusalem has become a whore. Mm-hmm. Everyone takes pride. Uh, widows are and children are abandoned. Uh, and then God calls upon the counselors and lawyers to restore the tarnished city to the faithful city again of Jerusalem. And so this has been an age-old problem. We get out of shape. We get out of, uh, uh, you know, it's like not going to the gym, basically. Right. So we always have to uh, work out. We always have to try to make the system better. It's never going to be perfect. We're back here at Future Quick with Dr. Future. As we said before, Tom Bionic won't be with us for the interview part of this week. But uh, that's our initial segment of our interview with Larry Clayman. We'll continue the rest of the week. Uh, today we focus predominantly on his background and the amazing accomplishments of his very unique group, Judicial Watch, which was not intimidated at all by the extremely powerful, including the President of the United States, uh, went directly toe-to-toe with them in court, used lawful means, to hold people accountable. And I think it really sets an example for those of us in the church uh, to take lawful means at our disposal and, and accept our responsibility to promote freedom, justice, and truth, which God would have in any kind of civil society. But with no further ado, we need to bring Mervin to tell you how you can contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're going over. Come back tomorrow for the next edition of the interview with Larry Clayman. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.
Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future, uh, and as we said yesterday, I'm flying solo this week. Uh, Tom Bayana couldn't be with us uh, because of the special efforts we had to go to to schedule our special guest this week. Uh, t- this week we have Larry Clayman, who is the founder of Freedom Watch, a public interest group, and also the, the previous founder of the legendary group Judicial Watch, which was a real giant killer in Washington, D.C., and holding the very powerful to task, including our own president of the United States. Uh, And this week we're talking about something amazing, the fight to expose government suppression of the E.T. presence. We don't have much time today. We have a lot of interview information here. So no further ado, here's Mr. Larry Clayman, and we'll be right back for a quick wrap-up here at Future Quake. Well, you know, many, many evangelicals have a reticence about taking legal actions at all because, one, they they feel the Lord is coming back, therefore they need to hunker down and get in their bunker. There's nothing they can do to stop anything. Uh, if other people suffer in the meantime, so be it. It's so sad, but, you know, uh, there's nothing we can do. And, in fact, it's a distraction from sharing the gospel for us to take these, you know, approaches to try to stop these injustices. What is your feeling on that? Do you feel like we have an obligation as Christians to try to resist evils like this when they come in our country? Absolutely. I mean, you know, let's go back to to Jesus. Jesus was an activist. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was the son of God, but he was an activist. He was here to change things, and he died for our sins, and he did change things uh, forever. And if he was on Earth today, um, you know, I'm not uh, being facetious or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, he would be uh, having his own public interest group uh, resisting. Uh, what's going on? He effectively did, you know. Look at the following biggest mm-hmm. of all time, you know. And and Jesus wasn't even a Christian at that point. He he was a Jewish rabbi, okay. And he made such an impact that Christianity flowed from that mm-hmm. uh, by divine uh, intervention. And uh, so yes, we can have an impact. And see, that's human nature. Human nature is let somebody else do the, the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to. Dirty, dirty my hands with that. And right now we've got a crisis. We've got a president who uh, may be a decent human being, uh, you know, internally, but he fundamentally believes in his heart that he's a Muslim. He basically said that at his speech at Cairo University. He extolled the virtues of black Muslimism and his friends in Chicago. He reduced Israel to the state of being just simply a homeland, putting it on the same level as the Palestinians. Who want to destroy Israel, and um, uh, he's a threat internationally because he's uh, appeased everybody from Hugo Chavez to uh, Fidel and Raul Castro, and uh, a threat uh, domestically uh, because he's he's rewriting uh, our founding fathers' concepts of this country to turn us into a socialist communist state, and uh, we need to oppose him peacefully and and intellectually, and in the courts, and any other place where we can engage him, because uh, this guy can do a heck of a lot of damage in four to eight years. You, you know, and, it's, uh, uh, there's a window. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot on our show, and I've made the point that when you look in the Old Testament, uh, God made clear to the children of Israel numerous times that he, he wanted justice over sacrifice. Uh, he he wanted uh, care for the widows and the orphans. He wanted honest courts. He wanted honest weights and measures and economic activity. And in several places in Scripture, he says that's paramount for him in looking out on people 
before they get even get around to their sacrifices and other activities like this. Jesus carried that same message. And as far as uh, many people will point out, when, when he was before the judges, at least the Sanhedrin, he was quiet, did not speak. But he had already gone on the record and condemned them. Uh, before he had ever gotten to that stage, he already he had already made a prepared affidavit in front of them and witnessed in front of everyone uh, of his condemnation of their system and that it would fall. So um, it, it's it's good to have someone like yourself on who has a record of putting words and positions into action. And, and I want to talk about your Freedom uh, Watch uh, and really focus on that. C- can you list the topical strike forces? that comprise the current agenda of Freedom Watch and maybe a sentence or two capsule of the scope or purpose of each. Right. Our website, by the way, is freedomwatchusa.org, freedomwatchusa.org. And we'll put that uh, linked on our website if that's okay with you. Right. Recently someone hacked it. I know who it is, but I'll say <laughs> an adversary. And uh, so some some of the, uh, when you click, it doesn't, doesn't go to our strike forces. We're going okay. to get that fixed. I'm going into court and, uh, today to get that fixed, to okay. order that person to put it back. But the uh, strike forces generally all deal with freedom and civil liberties. Uh, our strike force to uh, monitor the government bailout and to take whatever action we need to take to avoid American taxpayers from having their money spent when they can't even afford to, to buy food. Uh, we have a strike force on the United Nations, which we feel uh, has worked against American interests, and we're not against it, another international organization, but not that one. That one should be closed, and mm-hmm. we should start over. And not in the United States, by the way. Let's put it somewhere else, because uh, this is just an, uh, a way that uh, terrorist countries and others can get their uh, their foreign agents and spies into this country. Right. through uh, diplomatic visas, so I don't, I don't really want it here, uh, nor this Freedom Watch. Uh, we have a strike force on uh, religious rights uh, to protect the rights of the unborn, to uh, make sure that people's religion, uh, they're not discriminated against because of that. Um, we have a strike force on uh, corruption, government corruption, which, of course, is my bread and butter staple you know, it goes on and on and on. We, I mean, it covers every subject, basically. And that will be up on the website, hopefully, by tomorrow. Uh, and we also have recently brought cases, uh, you know, through those strike forces. Is that we brought a case against Hugo Chavez for crimes against uh, humanity, a class action here in Miami. Uh, we brought a case against AIG, the big insurance carrier that got all that government money and then wasted it on bonuses and uh, to its corrupt uh, directors. We brought a case um, against OPEC, the uh, Arab and Venezuelan oil producers, uh, and the price fixing, because the price of oil mm-hmm. our economy in the tank. And in fact, you see it's now going up again. Um, and we still have cases involving the Clintons that are going on uh, to finally bring them to justice and to bring particularly Ms. Hillary to justice is now our Secretary of State and dealing primarily with the same country she was taking bribes from uh, when she was in the White House, China. Hmm. So uh, we, we uh, have a lot, of on our, a lot of on our plate. We need support. We need financial support. We need volunteers. Um, my former group, not doing anything, you know, uh, terribly activist. Uh, 
And we need, you know, we need a group like Freedom Watch that's going to bring lawsuits. And it's also going to educate the American people. And I'm doing a number of things in that regard um, that I have planned in the future to get the word out. Okay. That we need change. Change, the right kind of change. Well, I recommend everyone go to your website. Uh, it's freedomwatchusa.org? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and right it, now you can find a way to communicate with me through that, even though part of it's down. You'll find a way to email me from that. Send me an email with your thoughts. Well, and I want people to look at the different strike forces because they cover a range of constitutional and conservative issues. But I want to ask you about one of them in particular that really caught my eye, and it's something you released a press release on a few weeks ago. And I just found it extremely intriguing given what my, you know, background and knowledge of your organization in the past was. You know, as a well-respected voice of conservatives and constitutionalists for, for decades, what made you decide to pursue the topic of UFO disclosure by the government? And, and actually, what does your initiative here comprise? Well, that's a really good question. Number one, I have always believed in UFOs. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been so many sightings. Uh, it's inconceivable that, uh, you know, we haven't been visited. Yeah. And, you know, and, and frankly, you know, my view is, is a, it's like a, the view of a lawyer. If a, if a lawyer is moving his mouth, he's probably lying. Right. If the government is making statements, it's probably lying. And it's a security threat. You know, it's a national security threat. So it's part of what we do to preserve our freedoms. We want to know who's hanging around. And the government's never come clean. The government of Great Britain has come much more clean than we have and has acknowledged, actually, the presence of UFOs uh, in, in, uh, in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's about time the American government explains to the American people what it's all about. I also think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, uh, I've always, you know, kind of just uh, gravitated to that. And uh, I thought it would be a, an interesting topic to find out what the truth is. Do, do, do you have any kind of information that you've been able to get a hold of that um, gives you strong indication that they're setting on something, particularly something really blockbuster that they haven't released Who's they? You, are you? Do, do you have any information that some some portions of our government uh, have real information that shows that uh, their awareness, communication with anything like this, uh, and and you have some pretty strong evidence that, that suggests that that they really are sitting on something? Well, the evidence that we have right now has all been publicly reported. Okay. I don't have anything from uh, the government yet that's been produced. Other did. I recently sent a letter saying they were ready to produce some material, not sufficient, of course, mm -hmm. and we'll probably have to sue it, sue the government. But, um, you know, there have been recent sightings uh, just in the last few years uh, where uh, irrefutable evidence, I believe, exists that uh, there was something there that was not the U.S. military, and we need to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's terrestrial, maybe it's extraterrestrial, but we need to know you know, who's been visiting us and, and why uh, uh, people keep continuing to see these things and experience these things. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's the famous Roswell, New Mexico incident right. that's never been adequately explained. So, and, you know, as a Christian, I don't believe that if there are uh, creatures, you know, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. in outer space, that that negates uh, God, Jesus, or, or, or anything that's in the Bible. It doesn't mm -hmm. negate it. Right. And uh, we, we just need to find out. God, my grandfather, who was born Jewish, 
who almost became a rabbi, who emigrated from Russia, and when they asked him the date of his birthday, because he didn't know, no one told him in in the old days, uh, asked for Jesus' birthday, December 25th. He <laughs> believed in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he instilled that on his grandson. And my my grandfather used to say, God can do whatever he's all powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not important that we fight over whether uh, UFOs are conceived of in the Bible or not. Mm-hmm. You know, God can do whatever he wants. Well, you know? what made you decide so, to pursue that now, given all the other things going on in the country? What what went in your head and said, you know, this is something, now's the time? I, I don't know that I had a, a reasoning for it. I mean, there have been more and more sightings of, of UFOs recently, including mm-hmm. some governors of very prominent states. I've seen them, as in Utah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought it was the right time. Okay. Well, you know, uh, we as evangelical Christians here uh, that do this show, and, and we have a large part of our base that are, uh, we're part of a large group that are really asking hard questions and are willing to look at all of these very taboo subjects within the, the, the light of Scripture. In fact, I'll be speaking at a uh, next week at the Roswell UFO Festival uh, with a lot of other prominent theologians about this whole idea of UFOs, uh, what the Bible has to say, Bible prophecy, things like this. So that wall, that taboo wall is actually coming down to actually discuss about the very thing we see every night on the, the History Channel and Discovery Channel. Finally, people of faith are stepping up and, and acknowledging it. But one thing I've not noticed much in the, in, in the uh, political uh, sector and, and people who are around that sphere, most of the people who have spoken up, most of them have more of a left liberal leaning uh, pe- people like uh, Dennis Kucinich or, or you know, uh, uh, Shirley MacLaine, others. There have been few from the conservative side that, at least that I know in the public, have, have sort of expressed their interest. I know the uh, CIA director under Clinton, his name escapes me right now, uh, served uh, Sir, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, does that ring a bell with you? Um, yeah, he's actually a friend of mine, um, uh, Wil- uh, Wilsey, right? Well, yeah, James Wilsey. James Wilsey. Uh, yeah, I was at a UN conference last summer where it was brought up how he had a real keen interest, and it brought some other people in who'd researched it, trying to find out what the real issue were. Was are you finding other privately other evangelicals or conservative leaders who also have an interest like you do in this topic, but just haven't stepped forward to talk about it? I haven't seen that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I mean, I, this is an area that we're getting into. We're just starting getting into it. Uh, I want to open it up. And I, and I do believe that there's an unnecessary reaction sometimes, both for people on the left and on the right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, a marriage has gone bad. <laughs> when one person says black, the other says white. You know, so if the liberals are saying it, it must be wrong. Or if it's Conservatives are saying it, it must be wrong. Right. And there's a certain logic. You know, it's like global warming, for instance. Uh, the reason that conservatives have reacted so strongly against global warming is because the advocates of that are so far left and they're using it as an agenda for other things. You know, to, for government control, uh, to socialize the country, blah, blah, blah. Right. But there's no doubt that the environment must be changed in some way. Whether it's getting warmer or colder, things change. Right. You know, and, and the Earth's not going to be around forever. So to fight 
over that stuff in the way that it's been done in recent years with the extremists on the left and extremists on the right, I think it's counterproductive. And the, the same thing with, you know, UFOs. Is this, right. Simply because we have these kooky people on the left doesn't mean that there aren't UFOs. Right. So... Well, you know, it's, it seems like it's been a hallmark of your career that when you pursue truth, it doesn't always support an individual ideology, and ideology has to take a back seat to the pursuit of truth. And, right, and, and logic, and logic, right. you know, and, and, you know, and another area where I could potentially get people upset is the area of evolution versus, the, you know, creation, and uh-huh. that, in that, in that you know, I believe in creation. But, again, like my grandfather said, God can do what he wants. Yeah. You know, the issue is not how we got God put it one way or the other. Right. And and here we are today, you know. So I'd rather fight about the issues that are moving us forward. Right. And, and take the world as we now find it and deal with it from a conservative Christian perspective. Right. Well, and to I, argue about we don't have the capability of knowing. Right. It, 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 if you know, given that you're a person of faith, um, of a Judeo-Christian yeah. background, do, do you yeah. consider the possibility that the, these appearances of the UFOs or abductions or other things that are widely reported to a large degree could possibly de- demonic manifestations or something that could have a potential end times scenario? Is that a possibility in your view? No, it is. It is. I, I do believe in that in that uh, stuff. And uh, again, anything's possible. Uh, I went to Duke University, and I remember. And this is not why I believe this way, but there was a, a professor there by the name of I think William Rhine at one point, who introduced the concept of extrasensory perception. Uh, you know, being able to have mental telepathy and people who would be able to understand or or communicate with people without words and, and know what other people were thinking or what the future was going to hold. Mm-hmm. And Ryan was thrown on campus. They threw him out as a heretic. And he started uh, a foundation just a few miles outside of Duke's campus in Durham, North Carolina. And then all these other uh, foundations started to crop up you know, about life after death and this and that. And these were all respected people. And I I had a professor I went to school during the Vietnam years. She was fairly liberal. But she would take us around to these places, and I would listen to them. And, you know, a lot of it wasn't far-fetched. And I had a client, and still have a client. Have you ever heard of the Bell Witch? You're right. Uh, that's not far uh, from here. Right. It's just up the road from here. That's just up, yeah, up the road from you. Right. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote a, a book about the Bell Witch, and it was uh, misappropriated by some Hollywood producers. And, you know, I started to look into it, and he hired me to, to help him not have his work misappropriated. And we, con- we even contacted Reese Witherspoon, who was producing the movie, because mm-hmm. she's a Christian. Right. And they never did produce it. Maybe that was why. But... I, I mean, the story goes that there was this uh, man, uh, I forget his last name, who lived there, who molested his child, and all of a sudden the Bell Witch would appear. 
uh, demon, mm-hmm. maybe an antichrist figure, a fallen angel, or whatever. And you know, he'd been seen by many different people over time. And truck drivers, apparently, that still drive by, and others see these green lights. The place has been abandoned for years. Uh, and anyone who's ever questioned the Bell Witch, apparently, has visited by by her. It's a her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe in it. Mm-hmm. I do. Well, you know, um, that that whole area of the country is sort of strange because that's close to the Kentucky border. And right across from there, just outside of Hopkinsville, occurred probably one of the most amazing UFO reportings ever. Uh, it involved, it's called the Kelly Green Men, where an entire extended family and other relatives about 50 years ago were attacked by these beings. And they had a shootout, a gunfire shootout with lots and lots of witnesses, men and women and others where they were attacked at this home, and it's been almost forgotten, but it was covered by the New York Times and other things, and, and there's lots of strange things going on. There were shows like Coast to Coast, radio overnight, you know, approximately 10 million listeners that listen. Many of them are Christians and people of faith that want to talk about strange goings-on in our world, particularly when they have an eye to prophecy, but they don't have any other Christian forums to talk about it, and they feel like it's a taboo subject to bring out with others. But there is an extremely large following of people, and that's why our show has become so popular. And I want to reiterate with you that you know, if someone like yourself does not get to the bottom of this issue, who will? You were the only one who did with the Clinton issues and, and with others. You're actually taking action. And I was going to mention to you, we had someone on our show, not that we talk about this topic a lot. We've we've had it because of, of my speaking engagement in Roswell next week. But Stephen Bassett, I don't know if, if you know him, but he is the only registered lobbyist in Washington to to try to push for disclosure by the federal government of what they know about communications with, with extraterrestrials or any information they have. His operation sounds a little similar to yours, and I just wanted to encourage you to make contact with him. because I would he love has, to, yeah. He has a lot. If at, uh, <clears throat> it's in a whole field of exopolitics. And uh, ParadigmResearch.com with Stephen Bassett, he was on a show again recently. Uh, I think you two would be a dynamite combination together because he has a bunch of generals, High-level government officials, he's gotten Richardson to come forward, say he knows there's information about it. He's got uh, 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 John Podesta to come forward and says he knows there's information going on about these entities. And he's corralled these people, and I think with you're working with him, we're, we're in a good shot of trying to find out what's really going on behind all this. Excellent thought. If, if you have a chance, if you could email me his uh, phone number. Sure. Uh, and, of course, you're, you're a legend in, in breaking the story open on these kind of things. So I think the best shot we all have on what is going on is getting you guys together uh, in doing this. And both of you, that, to my knowledge, are truth seekers in just trying to find out what's really going on. And that's what we really need. We can handle the repercussions once we find out what's really going on uh, in this area. But I just also want to encourage you as you study these subjects, if you get a lot of heat from your conservative or evangelical circles, you're always welcome here uh, to discuss it. We're, we're, we're very orthodox uh, Christian circles here, but we're willing to look at Scripture in light of these issues, and we just appreciate people like yourself. And we're willing to help do a little bit of uh, lifting ourselves to assist you. Uh, as far as investigative information, we can get interviews. We have a lot of information. I think we can assist you in your pursuit of this, and we'd like for you to keep us updated. And I know a lot of our listeners might even be willing to uh, underwrite or sponsor some of your activity. 
and they can go to your website if they want to do that, correct? That's excellent. Yes, they can. The contribution page is down. So what I would do, in fact, I'm walking in the court right now to have the judge uh, okay. order it back up, uh, the person who acted. But just send me an email where I can reach you, okay, and then I'll let you know, uh, okay. you know how you can make the contribution. But um, I would very much appreciate if people went to that website. You can see the main page right now, freedomwatchusa.org. And you can email me through the website. Okay. Well, we have lots of well, we have lots of information through our own interviews with key government figures, and we have people in our listener base who are also doing their own independent research that are that are very influential, and they put a lot of their own resources, financial and otherwise, in doing this. And I, I'm sure they would be more than willing to support you in what you're doing once we get the word out here that, that you could be a point man. Uh, and they support all the other initiatives, too. We talk a lot about constitutional issues here. Uh, we find the church is bringing up the rear as far as looking at our civil rights and our protections and being willing to stand up. And our audience also fully supports these other initiatives that you're doing to protect our civil rights. We're back at Future Break here with Dr. Future, uh, just ruminating on the uh, bombshell shared by uh, Mr. Clayman here on the uh, this segment of the Future Quake uh, show uh, about his amazing activity he's doing as a as a person who is well established in the circles in Washington D.C. fighting for constitutional and conservative causes. He has now stepped forward and said that he thinks the government is hiding something about what they know about uh, UFOs, ETs, and even potential communication with them. It's something that's just quite unprecedented and. Um, we're going to find out. It looks like he has a very open-minded from what he says about what's going on, but he says it's a national security issue, and I know many others believe that as well. Of course, uh, many of our listeners of Future, Future Quake are interested because of the, the scriptural and prophetic implications of it, but now we've got somebody who I believe is going to get to the bottom line. So we're going to hear more about him in the future, but right now Murph can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Well, we have to say goodbye. Uh, pick up the next segment with Larry Clayman tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future, and I'm flying solo this week, as we said earlier this week. Uh, Tom Bionic uh, couldn't be scheduled at the time of our interview here that we conducted. Uh, he'll be joining us for the news segment uh, on Friday, so we look forward to having him in here on the, uh, for that. And uh, we really miss him here because we've had a great interview with a very prominent gentleman this week. Uh, we're interviewing this week Mr. Larry Clayman, who is the founder of Freedom Watch, a public interest group organization in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was the founder of Judicial Watch, which is a legendary organization that um, put itself on the map uh, 
protecting civil rights and civil liberties of the little guy against people at the very top, including President Clinton and other leaders uh, in both political parties. Uh, they've shown themselves to be an unbiased group that uh, protects uh, people against abusive power at the very top. And they're tackling something that uh, is extremely big this time, as we said at the beginning of each show this week, because we're talking about the fight to expose government suppression of the ET presence. And um, they're taking something that's not just uh, national in nature, or even global. It goes beyond that. And uh, it's fascinating that someone of Larry Clayman's stature, who is, is again, legendary within political circles and those who follow political science, uh, in sociology uh, because of his impact during the Clinton years and since then. Uh, but the fact that he's well entrenched in the conservative uh, movement uh, is talking about these kind of issues. And uh, we're going to proceed with his discussion. Uh, he, at the end of last show uh, yesterday, he talked about uh, his interest and one of his main emphases now is to try to get the government to fess up on what they know about the UFO issue. And in fact, even if they're having communications with other entities. So, uh, this takes up things a, a big notch uh, of interest, so can't wait to hear what's, what shakes out from this. But no further ado, here's Mr. Larry Clayman talking about the fight to expose government suppression of the ET presence. We'll talk about a lot of other key issues as well, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here on FutureQuake. Do, do you have a concern and fear that we're going to lose the ability to be able to express ourselves and our, our Christian values and opinions with, with the no, hate crime no, laws and things that are coming? No, I, I don't have that fear. Uh, they're going to try to do that, but that's not going to stop us. Uh, look, if the Iranians can take to the street, uh, you know, frankly, we can do the same thing. I don't mean armed revolution. I'm talking about legally. Right. So, uh, you know, there's no way that's ever going to happen. But will they? But will they wake up? We find most of our leaders in, in the Christian world aren't even willing to discuss. When we've, we've had pastors on here who've been roughed up, roughed up by Border Patrol, we've had we're having pastors now being recruited by FEMA to preach sermons out of Romans 13 that says to obey the government and don't resist authorities. Yeah. In a program across the country, do you think that the giant will wake up and actually get behind guys like yourself to resist these things? Oh, they will when they start to feel threatened. Certainly, they don't feel threatened yet, but. It's on the horizon, and, um, you know, President Obama uh, and his Clinton cronies, because he brought back all those Clinton people and, and the ultra-left ones, I might add, the ultra-leftist, atheist, agnostic ones are in control. Uh, even the placebo Jewish advisors that he has around himself, like Rahm Emanuel, uh, I wouldn't exactly call, uh, you know, dedicated to Judeo-Christian concepts, even the state of Israel. Their, their own self-interest usually takes precedence over uh, preserving the Jewish-Christian uh, nature of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emmanuel would not be carrying out some of Obama's uh, ideas right now in the Middle East. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do feel that, uh, you know, once it becomes more apparent what this Obama administration has in mind, that people will... Uh, react and they will get behind Freedom Watch and they will get behind other groups. I hope they get behind us and I'll, I'll bring as many lawsuits and speak up as much as I can to prevent our individual liberties from being compromised. Mm-hmm. And I would I would hope, although I doubt, that those liberal groups that were so concerned about Arab terrorists uh, during the Bush years would join us in that endeavor because if there is precedent set 
it will come back to haunt them, uh, you know, somewhere down the line. That's right. So, that's well. Right. Well, I, I don't know where you're standing right now and the group you're with, and if you, if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, that's fine. But uh, just to wrap up a little bit on your initiative on the on the UFO effort, because that's something, again, that we've been focusing on this spring. What What is your strategy to be able to get to the bottom of it? What What, uh, what are the steps you plan, and what do you think you're really going to get out of the government from your strategy? Let's wrap up on that, because I actually have to walk into court. And I understand. I understand. As soon as I come out, I'll give you a call. Okay. And uh, and I'll give, give you an update. That's <laughs> it'll fine. Be, uh, li- it'll be like live uh, reality TV, uh, conservative religious style. But, yeah, on the, on the UFO, we're going to bring a lawsuit uh, against the government agencies we request the documents for from. Uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't be released. Uh, since the government claims there are no such thing as UFOs, and how can there be a national security issue? Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a hard fight on that. And believe it or not, I think we're going to have support on the left here. Uh, Larry King loves this issue. Yeah. And uh, right. you know, he has, an, he has a, uh, an hour on it like every month. And I saw him recently in a delicatessen in uh, Beverly Hills. And I walked over to him and I said, Larry, we're doing stuff on UFOs. Well, then we got to have you on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so we're going to get the word out, you know, right. and, it, and people are going to start demanding answers to this, plus our lawsuits, which will fuel. And, and the government invariably lies when you sue them, and they'll get caught lying. Right. And it could turn even into a criminal proceeding, like the China Gate case did ultimately, when when uh, the Clinton people lied about what documents they had and didn't have. So they'd be well advised not to. Uh, mess with us in that regard. And that's when people start singing like canaries. When you can suggest criminal activity, what they're doing, even the accusation yeah. of it, and that's because you know what you're doing and you're a formidable force. And when they hear your well, name behind something, uh, things start to happen. I also want to know: Does the government has the government communicated with other, you know, civilizations or entities? Are there agreements right. that we should know about? You know, that they have cut that deals under the table. Is that why there's the secrecy? Um, I want to know that. Well, so, um, there have certainly been reports of that. Very reputable people, high-level military officials and others, have claimed that that's the case. There have been different documents that have been smuggled out that appear to be authentic. Uh, people have been compiling those documents and trying to build a case. That's something that Mr. Bassett has done very methodically uh, in doing that. But I think you have the, the, the means and the way, plus just even the celebrity status in front of Larry King and others to get the court of public opinion, Crystallized right. behind you, and uh, I, I mean think it sounds fairly far fetched, Michael. But suppose you had a situation; it's fairly far fetched. But suppose you had a situation where someone takes control of the government as president, that's installed, and somehow makes contact with another civilization that's visiting Earth, that they will assist that that individual in keeping power, uh, you know, in tonight in the United States. It sounds way out. It sounds weird. Except but you can read the Bible. You can see possible. that out of the Bible. If you if you read carefully the interactions, uh, it, Revelation 18, it says these spiritual forces, external, actually maintain the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth in power to deceive the nations. Right. So right. Christians, that shouldn't be a stretch of their mind to see something. Now, they're going to look at it from spiritual eyes. But they can see that this kind of thing is reality, and it's in fact foretold in the Bible. 
Uh, and yeah, that's why it's so fascinating. It's fascinating, and it's a national security and individual liberty issue. Well, and we have tens of thousands well, of regular listeners that support what you're doing. So, Mr. Clayman, uh, resuming our, our discussions here again on uh, this particular topic that, that is fascinating and is capturing the imagination of more people uh, just recently in these days regarding your uh, approach with the, with the UFO issue, um, what do you think, uh, you, you've expressed yourself as a person of faith, what do you think is your best hunch of the spiritual implications of this issue and, and, and possibly its origins? Do you have any idea or hunch of what you think? Well, whatever may be the case, it's God's will. Okay. And uh, in terms of, you know, whether there are or there are not people from other civilizations or or even this earth, you know, that are responsible for these UFOs, um, we need to get to the bottom of it. And I, I haven't come up with any conclusions as to, you know, who these individuals or entities or creatures are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to find that out. And, you know, at that point, I think, you know, that's time for the spiritual evaluation, at least from my own perspective, mm-hmm. uh, of where we're going. I don't know whether these creatures are here to ultimately harm us someday or or to be friendly and to assist us. But we need to find out what's going on. Right. And as I said earlier, it's a national security issue. Well, that's interesting you said that, and I was going to ask you about that because not only has Stephen Bassett, uh, who is really the best known in this field for pushing the government mm-hmm. for disclosure, but uh, people like John Podesta, people like uh, Bill Richardson and others who said the exact same thing, that it is a national security issue. What aspects of this issue do you think are truly national security and why the average citizen should care about it? Well, it's penetrating our, our airspace and the airspace of other countries, of Western nations and, and of others. And, uh, you know, you need to know who's who's here. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the issue of illegal aliens. We need to know who's here, you know, in, in order to protect ourselves. And that's not to panic or anything to that effect. Uh, but it's very likely that based on the law of averages, that uh, people did visit us from outer space. Mm-hmm. And it's very likely that, uh, at least at this point in time, they haven't tried to harm us in any way. But we need to find out what's been going on. We need to know what the government knows. We need to know whether the government's been communicating with these entities. We need to know whether the government's cut agreements with these entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that very well may be a reason why this whole thing's been covered up. Maybe there has been a secret agreement all these years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, between uh, these these creatures from outer space or, or wherever they're from. Well, you know, certain uh, certain, don't know. Yeah. Uh, cer- certain high-level officials have said that there was an agreement cut back in 1964, uh, of all things, and one that also was done with Eisenhower. Uh, and some pretty high-level people vouched for that, a meeting at Holloman and some other things. Uh, another person who is really preeminent in the field that we've also had on our show is a is a woman by the name of Linda Moulton Howe, who's probably the top field investigator, and a lot of whistleblowers come to her to get this kind of information. So there are a few citizens who are trying to get the answer to it, but um, would you agree with me that people in the church probably ought to start getting together and getting prepared on how to handle information like this and look at where their faith resides relative to that and some explanations? Absolutely. You know, and I... And, and the church needs to be open-minded. Um, you know, we're all, uh, you know, the disciples of God. And, you know, whatever is, is. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we need to come to grips to that. Uh, it's our mm-hmm. abiding faith, which will let us take in stride a lot of the things that, you know, come unexpectedly mm-hmm. in life while we're here on Earth. And, you know, we can't have closed minds. We have to have open minds. But, you know, my, my own faith is that uh, I don't try to define too much. I just have faith. Right. And I know that, you know, going back uh, many years, I know that Jesus talked to me. I was going through a, a period where I felt Christian but couldn't quite make the leap from Judaism to Christianity. I was messianic. And then Christ talked to me one day. I was standing there with my former wife and my kids in a, in a church. The cross came by. <clears throat> I felt this tremendous warmth. I felt somebody... Uh, it was Jesus talking to me, saying, Larry, it's okay, you can accept me. Uh, tremendous uh, adulation. Uh, I know that was for real. I, I don't have to intellectually uh, believe. Mm-hmm. I know. Right. Okay? And, and that's kind of the way I feel about anything that may happen, is, is that I can't always explain what happens. There are tragedies. You know, I could die tomorrow. <clears throat> uh, we all could, you know, but that's God's will. And uh, we just have to take it on on uh, face value. You know, it's interesting. Your testimony parallels our guest last week. We had Dr. Stephen Eulish on, who was uh, raised in Judaism, strong in Judaism, more secular brand, but very anti-Christian. And the Lord reached out to him in a very special way and brought him around. And as an intellectual, uh, he got an interest in the same topic and has written a number of books on this topic uh, as well. But there's a large body of data now starting to come from some pioneering Christian researchers that have actually gotten field data. Uh, They're looking at abductees' stories and hard information that's been left behind. There are now government whistleblowers that are providing hard information. But more of it suggests that it's something of an interdimensional uh, level rather than an extraterrestrial that there's something that is coming in through a dimension. And in fact, I think uh, Chuck Missler has probably written one of the best books describing the physics of why the, the reports of UFOs look more interdimensional in their style. But, but one thing that's a common theme from the abductees and from other researchers, Christian or otherwise, is there's a high level of deception of whoever these beings are that people say they have contact or reports with, and that they're deceptive in their motives and intentions. Uh, we, we certainly know our government is extremely deceptive, and we have the history of it. If you read history books with their own people, right. do, are you are you anticipating that as well, too, that there may be a lot of deception in what they're showing to us as well as what our of own course. government's sharing with us? Of course. I assume, I told you, you know, from my experience, when I'm dealing with lawyers, judges, uh, and the government, I assume I'm not being told the truth mm-hmm. unless otherwise. That's unfortunately my experience in 33 years of being a lawyer and an officer of the court. Right. Yeah, I'm assuming... So, I, just, I just don't believe anything unless somebody shows me. You know? Well, I'm sure uh, entities for our, and leaders from some other place are probably just as deceptive as ones in our own sphere. So that that must go with uh, power and leadership. Uh, it's somewhat. getting worse and worse. You know, I mean, it's getting worse and worse with each successive generation and uh, a lot of people don't even, you know, and this is getting a little broader in our discussion, but I think a lot of people, you know, just lie incessantly and they don't even know they're lying. You know, right. it's become a, a way of life. You know, it's, it's normal. You make up whatever is the easy way out and uh, they have no clue that they're actually lying. Well, <laughs> we, we just had another governor just in the last couple of days. Yeah. 
that that is living a lie. We have gov- you know we have governor in Illinois. We have these people over and over again, Larry Craig. People left and right. It is not a left or right issue. It's a a detachment from accountability to the public. And without people like yourself as a watchdog, much of the stuff will go by and never be counted. It's a sickness in society. It, it really is. And uh, look, look who's the speaker of the Republican Party today. This is why we need to do it for ourselves. Why Freedom Watch is important uh, and other groups and, and individual action. I mean, if Newt Gingrich is the speaker of the Republican Party, uh, and if Republicans are uh, the mouthpiece of, piece of conservatives, God forbid, uh, then Republicans are going to be in the wilderness for another thousand years. I mean, there's a guy who may be very intelligent and very bright, but totally deceptive, uh, cheated on his wife, told his first wife that he was leaving her on her cancer deathbed, uh, never did anything really to have Bill Clinton convicted, you know, for his crimes mm-hmm. because he was so vulnerable himself with what he was doing on the side with his current wife. And, you know, and these are the spokespeople for the Republican Party and for the conservative movement. Well, didn't their it's, last it's presidential nominee? Yeah, didn't their last presidential nominee McCain have a very similar story with his wife, who, who was very yeah. ill at the time? I mean, a, a similar kind of yeah. thing where he he found found other uh, fields to explore, you might say, while his wife was ill and had waited for him coming back. You know, we we had uh, Chuck Baldwin on, uh, the presidential nominee of the Constitution Party who Ron Paul actually formally endorsed before the election. And we're finding more and more people connected of the tens of thousands of regular listeners of our show that are, are sort of switching over from Republican toward more constitutional uh, positions. And I think Ron Paul was a catalyst for that. Do you anticipate that that will grow as people get more discussed oh, yeah. with the Republicans funding the big banker bailouts and things like this? I certainly hope so. You know, when I ran for the Senate here in Florida, I ran as a Republican, but I ran against the establishment, they immediately uh, endorsed Mel Martinez. They, I had, there was a meeting over on Miami Beach for the Southern Republican Leadership Conference. And then Governor, um, the one that lost, um, what's his name? Uh, the son of the former coach of the Washington Redskins. I'm having a, right, uh, right, George Allen. Allen. Yeah. George Allen, yeah. I mean, he didn't even acknowledge I was running as a candidate. And I and I was you know doing pretty well then I was I was close to Martinez at that point in, in the election I mean they're just so dishonest uh, the Republican Party is 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 totally bankrupt there is no Republican Party it doesn't mm-hmm. exist there's right. going to have to be somebody to come in and fill the vacuum right. and you know here the, the the person who was thought to be the leader uh, you know self destructs you know this week Governor Sanford of South Carolina I liked a lot of the things he was saying but mm-hmm. obviously. He's going nowhere but down right now. Today was revealed he used state money, you know, for his trip to Argentina. So he, he's he's finished, and um, there's nobody out there. And we need competition. I'm an old antitrust lawyer. You need competition. Now, uh, Michael, I, I, I cannot think of his name. Head of the Republican uh, convention. It was not. Um, he had his issue too, as well, wasn't he? Uh, the African American gentleman. From the uh, Republican convention that was nominated, Michael. Michael Steele. Right. He, Michael he he's had his mm-hmm. issues uh, uh, standing against against pro-life causes and other kind of traditional conservative causes as well too. Hasn't he also sort of muddied the waters himself with his stands? I don't I don't I don't know what his stand is on pro-life, but 
you know, he's just kind of been thrashing around up there. Well, he went in the record on and, GQ and, and, saying that he was he was not pro-life, that he, that he did not support that and several other core conservative no. issues and got a lot of backlash for it. Um, yeah, that, that that may be. I, I give him credit for one thing. <laughs> At least he's been calling calling it as he sees it. I wouldn't necessarily agree with him. Yeah. But uh, he's not a cohesive force for the Republican Party, and you know he's a bright guy. He's articulate. He's good looking. Uh, he was chosen because he was the anti-Obama, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know there was nothing wrong with that. But on the other hand, um, you know the Republican Party is is over. Right. I saw. Uh, Jeb Bush at the airport a few weeks ago in New York. I was up there doing an interview for ABC on our case against OPEC. They're doing a special on on oil. It's going to be on July 22nd. Hmm. And I was interviewed by Charlie Gibson, interestingly enough. And uh, I come out to LaGuardia Airport, and there's Jeb Bush, Bush sitting there in the waiting area, and like everybody else, the poor guy looks down and out. I know Jeb from uh, living in Miami. And, uh, you know, running for the Senate here. And I walked up to him and I said, how are, hey, Jeb, how you doing? And I was somewhat jokingly, I said, how are we going to save our party? Even though I don't consider myself a Republican anymore. Right. I said, how are we going to save it? I'm still registered, but I'm not in thought. And uh, he said, humility, humility, humility. Very candid. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that translate? We really screwed up. We really messed up. And it was my brother who messed up. That's essentially what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a reality. So until the Republican Party realizes what they've done uh, fully, they are the ones who are responsible for giving us Obama. They're the ones who did more for socialism and communism in eight years than Karl Marx and Lenin did in 70 uh, because they created this reaction to the left. Uh, the American people would have voted for Happy the Clown if he had been put up, right? given the mess that the W left behind, the, the ruined economy, <clears throat> a war in Iraq that spent trillions, talk about busting the budget. And, and once we leave, the Arabs are all going to start killing each other again. You know, So we will accomplish little to nothing. Those factions will not get along with each other. Uh, letting Afghanistan go to heck, letting Pakistan rot, uh, North Korea... Now, that's a major problem. They did nothing about that. And, of course, Iran. So I think, you know, to, and, and when they claim credit for not allowing another 9-11, let's remember 9-11 occurred on W's watch. Right. And he had a uh, he had a uh, briefing on his desk that said it was going to happen. He never bothered reading it. So as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the worst presidents in American history mm -hmm. and presidency. And that's the reason we now have Obama. That's the reason we now have a socialist communist in charge, and it's the reason why the Republicans got wiped out uh, in Congress. And, and we can thank W. and Cheney and the rest of them for creating such a mess that we're now stuck with uh, with these lunatic ultra-leftists in power. we got to call a spade a spade. And I think Ed was being very candid. He said, humility. I mean, we really messed up. So... You know, it's American people now that are going to have to do something because there is no Republican Party. John Boehner is a non-entity. Gingrich is compromised, no matter how much Roger Elton Fox News tries to rehabilitate him. Rose is a crook. Okay, he's lucky to have gotten off uh, where he got off. Uh, it's, it's just a, a terrible odor that's emanating from that Republican Party.
It doesn't represent conservative interests anymore. We're back at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. Again, flying solo uh, today uh, with our interview with Larry Clayman, the founder of Freedom Watch. Uh, another fascinating discussion, packed full of information. Uh, we talked about the uh, the need for people of faith to step forward and not just stand around and complain about what's going on in their country, but take action, legal action, lawful action we have at our disposal. Uh, but one of the things that I found most interesting was uh, Mr. Clayman's testimony. And um, the very unique way the Lord brought him uh, to a realization of the salvation in Jesus Christ uh, as a practicing uh, a Jew in Judaism to come over to Christianity and how that's affected his life uh, from here forward. We talked a little bit about the ET uh, pr- uh, presence and about the fact that it may be multidimensional. Uh, but he spent a good bit of time talking about uh, people who, uh, the sides that's probably been most supportive in the past, the conservative movement. And uh, I think it's almost like a, a bankruptcy term he's used for the Republican Party of their leadership, picking poor leaders, people like Newt Gingrich. It's something that's come across on our show many times. He feels like it's going to so, so far as a new party is going to rise to replace him. I guess time will tell if that happens. But one thing I do know for sure is that Murph can come in and tell you how to contact us here at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, it's the uh, end of our ride for today. Uh, We're looking forward to concluding the interview tomorrow with Mr. Larry Clayman. And then Friday we'll have tomorrow's Tremors, our review of the news, with our good friend Tom Bionic back in the studio. Until then, though, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And as we have said uh, earlier this week, uh, our co-host here and our friend here, Tom Bionic, could not join us for this interview at the particular time we had to schedule it. Uh, went through a lot of effort to get this uh, scheduled and to work around our guest, uh, very demanding schedule. Uh, we have a very special guest this week, Mr. Larry Clayman, who is the founder of Freedom Watch, a public interest group in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was also the founder of the legendary Judicial Watch organization, which has filed suit uh, at powerful figures in Washington and our government all the way up to level of precedent and was the the main thorn in the flesh, you might say, of the Clinton administration, uh, going forward, filing suit to get information and to to have things come to light. And uh, he still has plenty of fight in him, Mr. Clayman. And we're going to talk about some very eye-opening issues uh, this week, talking about the fight to expose government suppression of the ET presence. Uh, We're going to mention that a little bit more in this show, but mostly uh, a wrap-up about his warnings about some other issues that we're looking at in the future. So with no further ado, here's Mr. Larry Clayman, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Speaking of that, um, you you, you, you mentioned about Bush a little bit and and 911. I believe it came out yesterday 
some kind of smoking gun evidence that shows that the Saudis, the government, was actually funding formerly the 911 hijackers. Uh, and the more we've covered this story, again, we've come from a very conservative background on this show and our listeners, but we've had to question a lot of things. Uh, I would say most of our listeners probably voted for Bush. Not all, but most of them did. But have had a complete re-questioning of what really happened twice. in Iraq. Yeah, what happened in Iraq? What were we really told? Um, have you been doing a lot of investigations of what has happened on Bush's watch? Were we told the true story about what happened in 911? Who was involved? Uh, what what has happened well, with the Patriot Act and other kind of things like this? What what's been your well, angle on their activities? He, we we know that he flew uh, the Saudi royal family out of the country and I believe some bin Laden family members, immediately after 9-11. And it was 17 of the 19 uh, 9-11 hijackers that were Saudi. Uh, and that's because of uh, the, the closeness of, of the Republicans and Bush and the oil interests with the Saudi royal family. They protected them. The Saudis are, are two-faced. The Saudis are perhaps the most uh, you know, dangerous uh, entity in, in the Middle East because they play it both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, they foment Wahhabi Muslimism, uh, and that is anti-Christian, it's anti-Jewish. Uh, they do believe that, you know, frankly, we should all be dead in the end. That's, you know, that's the bottom line. Right. Uh, we're, in, we're infidels, you know, and, and they teach that in the schools, and they fund that. So, yeah, the Bushes have been in bed. I, I happen to like Jeb. You know, I think Jeb would have been a good president. It's a mm-hmm. shame that his brother ruined it for him, but Jeb is a thinker. He's an intellectual. Um, he's rational. Uh, I, I don't equate him with the rest of the family. I think the father was a disaster, and I think he was a disaster. Do you think they will be held accountable by groups like yourself or others uh, as they fade off into history, the actions that happened over the last eight years? Um, <clears throat> they should be held accountable, but they won't be held accountable. Uh, but the Democrats are much more ruthless than the Republicans, so who knows? Mm-hmm. But I doubt that. I mean, I, I, I would not, not everything they did was wrong. Uh, I'm not, you know, they should not have held American citizens without right of counsel. That was unconstitutional. They should not have wiretapped American citizens without going to the National Security Court. They, they had 72 hours even after a wiretap to get a rubber stamp, and they didn't do that. Um, as far as Guantanamo, I have no problem with Guantanamo. I have no problem with torturing uh, non-citizens who are, are terrorists. Maybe we didn't torture them enough, and we might have learned more. But, uh, you know, they didn't do everything wrong. But as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, they did so much wrong that um, the effect was to rehabilitate the Clintons and to put Obama in power and and uh, we owe Obama to George W. Bush and company. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for, for them. And Democrats could have elected anybody. Obama was not elected because he's African-American. He was not elected because he was some great claimed New World Messiah or whatever he thinks of himself as. Mm-hmm. He was elected. He wasn't Bush, and he wasn't a Republican. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the bottom line. And that's why we do need, to answer your question, we do need new political parties. We do need some competition here. We do need fresh faces. And uh, Ron Paul, uh, you know, reinvigorated that concept. And and I just hope that, you know, in the next several years, we we start Mm -hmm. to develop, um, you know, more. When when the leader of the Western world 
is the president of France, Nicolas Sarkozy. He's perhaps the most uh, courageous out there right now in, in calling things as he sees it. Uh, he even banned burkas in, in, in France, but they were incendiary. I'm, you can't do that in this country. But, I mean, the guy's out there on, on, on the cutting edge. And our president is, bu- is busy apologizing to everybody he can, he can find for, for being an American. I think we're in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what about having a standing military army, a brigade of the U.S. Army, that has been stationed now on our soil to address civilian unrest, as is reported in the Army Times? Uh, at Fort Stewart, we have an Iraqi brigade that's now designed to, to quell civil unrest of our own citizens. Uh, many of us think that that is directly against posse comitatus. What are your thoughts about this emerging police state issues uh, like this? Dangerous, very dangerous. And this is why, and I'm, I'm not advocating this, so don't take it this way, but this is why there's a record number of Americans that are purchasing firearms. Mm-hmm. And just here in the state of Florida, um, 92,000 concealed weapon permits backed up at the Department of Agriculture uh, because people are fearful that the government is going to assert its power in a way like we've never seen before. And they're fearful that the guns are going to be taken away. So the gun industry is doing great. And why is that? Uh, because of things like what you're talking about is that these, these radical leftists that are in this administration want total government control. They don't worship God. They worship at the altar of government, government mm-hmm. of God. That, that's what the communists used to teach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the reason for the Second Amendment was not to use guns against each other, but to keep King George III from busting into our house. You know, people like that. And, and um, I'm afraid that's why people are buying weapons. And I'm not advocating using mm-hmm. them against the government. But, that, but that's a reality. You know, they, they do fear uh, loss of individual freedom. And they also fear that because we're in an economic crisis uh, and people are desperate, that uh, there will be more burglaries and robberies and and muggings, and they're probably right. Well, I can tell you you'd be doing a big favor for our listeners. And, again, we have tens of thousands locally, tens of thousands that listen regularly. One network alone, we have about 50,000 listeners. And we have a consensus that they're very, very concerned by these uh, new documents from the Department of Homeland Security most of them have been written with information from the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Anti-Defamation League talking about right-wing extremists. And the right-wing extremists they put in their paper are people who believe in pro-life, people who believe in pro-gun, people who believe in limited federal government, uh, who believe in constitutional principles. They're listed explicitly as well as people like Ron Paul, their followers, Chuck Baldwin, Bob Barr. They're listed by name as dangerous elements that need to be monitored the worst of all uh, people that they have in these documents that, that I have and have been released are returning veterans, and they consider them highly suspicious. And now we have actions where they're trying to stop purchase of guns of anyone who's ever been on the no-fly list, uh, including people just inadvertently had a name similar to someone else that they were monitoring. Uh, these things are very, very disconcerting. In fact, they've even included things like people who believe in end-time prophecies. Uh, are listed right in their reports as people who are dangerous people to the to the uh, general public. Um, are you going to be pursuing this in your particular group to try to make make sure that we keep our particular civil rights? 
Absolutely. That, that's top on our list. And I always, uh, you know, sometimes I half-heartedly joke that if the Clintons won, that I would be carted away in a guillotine, you know. Mm-hmm. The, right. And, and that's why, you know, frankly, um, you know, even when it came to Arab Americans uh, being subjected to illegal wiretaps and, you know, put in jail without rights of counsel, whether or not they were terrorists, I thought that was very dangerous because they were American citizens and they deserved to have a lawyer uh, and they deserved to uh, not be held indefinitely without uh, some kind of, of due process of law because if those kinds of powers got into the hands of, of the Clintons and they're now in control of this government, you know, Obama's just the figurehead. Figuratively, we all could be carted off on, you know, to the guillotine. And... Um, who would be the first to go? Evangelical Christians will we'll be at the top of the list. Well, they've been mentioned specifically in these documents re- released recently by Department of Homeland Security. I know the uh, that uh, there was a letter circulated from Bob Barr, Chuck Baldwin, and Ron Paul, who were listed by name and their followers as being dangerous people that needed to be monitored and was taken directly to the governor of Missouri uh, requesting an apology and sort of a half-hearted one was they they were they were removed without any apologies but they were listed yeah. as people who were dangerous to the public and they're targeting particular uh, political groups it is it is a you know political thought crime and, and then when you see these things that happen as I mentioned earlier with the uh, uh, bombing or the, the the shooting at the Holocaust Museum another quote right wing person the uh, the, uh, the the same thing with the abortion doctor that occurs. It seems all too convenient that these things are happening at the simultaneous time these reports are being released. Uh, it's it's much like when we try to tighten our restriction on uh, civil rights when we have a sudden terrorist pop up that turns out as an FBI sting operation uh, to sort of reinforce and galvanize public support. So uh, people like yourself and Judicial Watch are some of the best hopes we have. To, to, to try to, to put a stay on this. And, and you mentioned about growing groups. So we have a strong following of our listeners to now the Constitution Party and people like this. But one of the most popular people that's come on our show recently was Judge Andrew Napolitano, the constitutional lawyer who, who, who causes a lot of discomfort for people on the right as well as the left in his pursuit of civil rights. And I know there's calls uh, even to try to draft him to actually run in 2012. Do you think gentlemen like him are going to be the kind of people that are going to rise to the top here in the next few years? I don't know, but I don't think they're going to rise in the Republican Party. <laughs> well, I, I agree. The Republican Party is going to—they're going to try to, uh, be, you know, be morph into Democrats in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I do think that what we're facing right now, and not everything Obama does is wrong. And I don't want to even, you know, give that impression. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example after I'm done here. But the fundamental thrust of this administration is wrong. And uh, they recognize, they have this little window that's been created because of the failure of the prior Bush administration and, and the people's reaction to it for a severe economic crisis. There's a little window to try to push through this socialist communist agenda mm-hmm. and they're going to do whatever they can with whatever ruthless means they have to do that and if that means you know threatening conservatives and, and others and people of faith they'll do that and um, not allow that to happen and we have to close this very very quickly uh, before it gets told 
Right. Well, you, you know, the, uh, the an issue we've not talked about, uh, but it's been the big thing in the news the last few months, was before, even before the election, we had this, quote, crisis with the banks, uh, where the, the banks needed money immediately. Our, our life as we knew it was going to come to an end. We had the, the presidential candidates of both political parties come back. They and the leadership of both parties strong arm their rank and file to vote for this bailout for the bankers which has turned out to be a fiasco that others said it was going to be. That started under Republican leadership, although both parties pushed it through in their, in their leaders. Now that is continuing the same process under the Democratic Party. How big an issue do you think this is and how this is going to impact our future? I think it's a big issue and it will impact our future. Is it something yeah. you're going to get involved in to find out who, whose hands were greased uh, what money well, yeah, we are heavily involved in that. You'll see in our on our website. You'll see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. org. I've already documents out of the government where uh, it shows that these are liberal groups with their hands out. There's not one conservative group in there asking for money. And it's not just a question of money. They want to change the whole economic, political, social fabric of the country. And they recognize that this is their one chance in a million uh, to do it. So, yeah, we're going to oppose that as much as we can. On the other hand, although I am appalled, sickened, and uh, frightened to death at what Obama plans to do to the state of Israel, which is the beacon for Christians and Jews, uh, the home of our Savior, Jesus Christ, I think that he did the right thing, you know, not in not speaking up against what's going on for the people in Iran right now. That's despicable that he would not come to their aid. But Iran is not our natural enemy. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, many uh, the crazy Ayatollahs at the top and Ahmadinejad, but the people of Iran who are not Arabic, they're Persian. Right. This is a very sophisticated culture, far beyond anything that's known in the Arab world. Uh, learned, uh, well-educated, uh, completely different. They're anti-Arab. And in many ways, uh, we should, the Bush administration should have been trying to uh, have a change of leadership a lot sooner. And maybe they were. Maybe this is an untold success. I don't know. But Iran is our natural ally, not our natural enemy in the long run. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's right that Iran is doing that right now. We can see that with the people. Uh, You never see that in the Arab world. You never see people in the streets revolting like that and uh, we need to encourage it right now and try to overturn their regime with a call from their the call from their leaders today was that they want to take these resistors that they have jailed and actually execute them that is their plan right now do you think the the iranian people are going to have the will to stand up to this do you think we actually have agents on the ground there's a lot of hallmarks that we have cia and other agents that are helping initiate a lot of this kind of thing how how do you think this is really going to play out I hope we have those agents on the ground. I think this may have been something that Bush did that was positive. I don't know if Obama's uh, told, told them to stand down or not, but I certainly hope so. And if those Ayatollahs are going to start executing people, uh, then, this, then, then their power will fail quicker than we even thought. Um, but Iran, not Iraq, is the key to the, to the Middle East. The, the, the Iraqis, uh, it'll be worse than Vietnam once we leave. And mm-hmm. I was advocating during my Senate campaign and, and at Freedom Watch is that, you know, we should have simply gone in there, done away with Saddam Hussein, um, 
and let the, let the Iraqi people sort it out because uh, there won't the Arab world has no concept of democracy, and to pretend that that's going to take hold, maybe it will in a thousand years, but not now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Iran, but Iran is the key, and uh, and keeping weapons out of um, the radicals in in Pakistan, that's the key, mm-hmm. and Afghanistan, and, and Bush really took his eye off the ball, and, and in that respect, Obama was right and the Democrats were right, you know, but their solution is not right, and. Uh, so we need to, and Ron Paul was right, you see. I mean, we, we were just messing around there, spending trillions of dollars, uh, and uh, we've accomplished uh, little to nothing in Iraq, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're coming to the last... The rest of the world went to, went to, went to heck. <laughs> we're coming to the last five minutes of our show, and I appreciate you making your valuable time uh, available to us and our listeners who, who highly regard what you've accomplished and where you're going. Um in, in, in getting toward our conclusion here, what are the the areas in our society that you think, and there's so many areas you cover uh, in your group and in Freedom Watch, that we need to really keep an eye on and that you're going to be pursuing that you think are going to be a big issue in the days ahead? And tell us a little bit about your strategy to address them. Well, uh, what's going to be the, the big issue is, is the misuse of government money. Um, the intimidation of conservatives. I, I stood up for all the Clinton women, nearly, the ones that came to me, that were being intimidated during those years and threatened. Uh, the uh, cozying up to uh, communist dictators throughout the world. Uh, we're going to resist that wherever we can. Um, our case against Chavez. Uh, we've had cases against Castro. Uh, we're going to you know, raise the public's consciousness what's going on, and speak out. And you'll be seeing a lot more of me in the next several months. Um, This is uh, a crisis that we're in. Uh, And I would say to our conservative religious listeners, you know, don't have a knee-jerk reaction. Like you're, you know, a a thinker, Michael. We, We should think each issue through, okay? We just should not follow the company line that because right. the Democrats say this, we have to say that, you know, and or the left to say this and we have to say that. Let's think each issue through, and then people will respect our political philosophy and we'll rediscover what that political philosophy is because the conservative Christian philosophy is not the Republican philosophy right now. And anybody who, who pretends that they're leading us as sheep you know, you know, may just simply be leading themselves off a cliff. Uh, we're not going to follow them. Mm-hmm. They follow. They, they're the ones that created the mess that we currently have. So we need to start from the the bottom up and and build uh, a new respect for ourselves and for the American people as to what true conservative religious values are. And we have to do that in an intellectual thinking way, uh, and not just react it because one person says night, the other says day. Right. That, that's 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 my message, and that's what I hope to accomplish at Freedom Watch. Is that you know issue by issue, uh, we we deal with it. Not that we follow the company line of a Sean Hannity or a Rush Limbaugh, but we actually think it through. Well, and and when you pursue truth, you're going to be okay, no matter where it takes you. You'll be right with God. You'll be right with your family and your neighbors if you really pursue truth and where it is. 
Uh, and I, I think something that's become clear of all of us in the odyssey of doing the show over the years, we're now in our fifth year, uh, is that we cumulatively as an audience and as our, as our, our host here ha- have felt like we have been, as you say, led around by the nose, deluded, and part of this left-right paradigm has been sort of a convenient distraction to keep us worrying about trivialities and throwing around pithy statements when the real issues are right there in front of us. And many times it comes from the powerful on both sides uh, that do it. But people are finally starting to come around. But unfortunately, people of faith sometimes are the last people uh, to, to sort of wake up and smell the coffee, so to speak. Uh, in our last minute or two, can you, can you tell us what we can do to support you? And, again, anything else that we might be seeing you pop up here in the near future on? Well, I would urge people to make contributions. We do need the resources, and, and they're hard to come by right now. And although our website is currently down, if you want to send a contribution uh, to us, they're tax deductible. You can send them to 3415 Southwest 24th Street, Miami, Florida, 33145. That's 3415 Southwest 24th Street, Miami, Florida, 33145. You know, look us up on the internet, send me an email, let me know where you are. I'll put you up on our free, um, you know, infinet to where we send people emails, uh, keep them up to date, get involved, and become a freedom fighter. We have a freedom fighters club, and I hope that, uh, you know, we can put together a, a peaceful uh, group of individuals that know how to fight and fight hard uh, and fight legally. Well, because we really do need that right now. And I yeah. want to I want our want our listeners that you're not just another talking head that comes in and says you know I don't like this we need to do something about this we need to just, you you actually go do it and and you have be, you've become a menace to the power structures in Washington and elsewhere and I assume you're not done yet and I I'm assuming you're going to put the screws to these guys here very soon again aren't you are there there going to be some other lawsuits and other kind of things soon about oh, some yeah. of these issues oh yeah oh definitely but I I need the manpower now you know and okay. And to get the manpower, I need the resource. And okay. and I'm running around 16 hours a day, and that's why it's so hard to get a hold of me. Right. Uh, you know, and everybody has their own life, too. And I got kids and this and that. And so, you know, I need the help. We, we need the financial contributions. We need the volunteers. Uh, we have to put together a little citizen army here uh, because there's so much to do. And... And we need to do it quickly before this country is overrun with a complete remake, a makeover of what our founding fathers had in mind. And the people are not paying attention right now. They're hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, they can barely have enough money to make ends meet for their family. And Obama and his band of ultra leftists are using this, you know, in effect under cover of darkness to sneak through when the Republican Party is decimated uh, a complete makeover of our system, of, of our uh, system of individual liberties. And by the time we're done, uh, we won't have a constitution as we know it. We won't have a Bill of Rights as we know it. Uh, and we won't have uh, articles to the constitution as we know it. We'll be further left than the Europeans. And I might add is that even the Europeans have said we're going too far left, which tells you something. <laughs> yeah. We'll have your link up on our, our website. Uh, 
Can we have you back sometime in the future when you're making some big news would, on the next big step? I would love to. I would love to. And there will be some big news in the next few weeks. I'll, I'll let you know first thing. Yeah. Feel free. Please drop us a line. We'll announce it on our show. And as you have time available, we'll try to get you scheduled on here. But I want to encourage our listeners to get directly engaged and involved in your group because you actually do something. You make a difference. I want to thank you for your service for our, for our countrymen and for the Lord. And uh, I just wish you Godspeed, and you will be in our prayers and in our support in the meantime. Thank you. God bless. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Brother Larry. Take care, and we will be in touch with you soon. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're back here at Future Quick with Dr. Future, and that's the conclusion of our eye-opening interview with Larry Clayman, the founder of Freedom Watch, uh, formal, uh, formerly the founder of Judicial Watch. Uh, as we concluded our interview, I, I think he gave us a real warning for those of us who have come from a traditional or conservative background and viewpoint that we've got to open our eyes and re- realize that leadership uh, on both sides can get real distracted in the world that they're in and really get off the mark and that we have to be open-minded and see where the truth actually lies and not look in ideologies or or people that have a certain political persuasion one way or the other, but focus on what the real truth is. And I hope that's what we always focus on here at the Future Quake show. Uh, But one thing I do know for sure is that we need to bring Mervyn and tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, I think that's the end of our go for now. Tomorrow is tomorrow's Tremors, or today's Review of the Future's News. We'll have uh, our good friend Tom Bionic back to join us here. Uh, Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a wonderful day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom, ready to do a little expose on the Worldwide Unification Church Bionic. Okay. You know, when you do that, people don't know what you're talking about. I know. That's, it's, a, it's foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Have you not read great books where they foreshadow? Uh, no, I've never read great books. <laughs> Just comic strips is all I read. Bathroom stalls, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So are you saying the guests that we have are not the great books that I read you're referring to? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. Um, we actually love and care about each other here, our co-host, Tom Bionic and I. Well, it's a, but, it, it's a little weird, but I guess so. But uh, <laughs> this is Friday, which means it's what? It is the last day that you work. You're having a hard time figuring out ways not to say it is tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. It's true. I'm sort of running out of ways. And here we are in the hot, hot Future Quake studios recording this right now. Um, Things are hectic days uh, for us. Indeed. Uh, At the time of this recording, I'm getting ready to leave first thing in the morning for the Ancient of Days conference Mm -hmm. in Roswell, New Mexico. Still haven't packed yet. 
and uh, recording shows and interviews because, heaven forbid, we wouldn't want to play a rerun here on Future Quake. No so reruns. We've got some fascinating shows coming up here very, yeah. very soon. Uh, and then I'm heading straight out in the morning, so please uh, uh, keep us in your prayers on the road uh, heading out to Roswell. Mm-hmm. And uh, going to see a lot of our guests that are regulars on Future Quake out there. And I hope some of you all can join us out there. But we will be debuting the Flash dance. amazing... Future Mobile. Oh yeah. We can yes. now say the Future Mobile is now going to be it's uh, prowling not not only the streets of Nashville but maybe cities near you. It's officially official. It is officially official. Yeah. Uh, you will see a car going down the road with not only the Future Quake emblem but pictures of Pyro, Tom Bionic, and the uh, Doctor Future, Future, Merv. Yeah. And uh, our fellow Futurians, of the evilest people in the world. Well, representations well, of the different uh, types of, uh, uh, how would you say, nefarious archetypes that mm-hmm. we address here on Future Quake, mm-hmm. all held back by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some few other features that are going to go on it uh, in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll try to get some pictures up at futurequake.com cool. so you can see. The phenomenal vehicle that is the Future Mobile. Mm-hmm. And we're ready to go on short notice if there's some Future Quake type emergency mm-hmm. that you let us know. Uh, we'll be there. We've got the car. Wherever the story is, we'll We've be there got ready the to cover. technology. That's right. Any other announcements you've got before we dive into our news stories? Man, if anybody knows how to uh, quantify a Jacobian dimensional analysis, I would sure appreciate it if they sent me an oh, email. Oh, Jacobian, that's like Matrix stuff, right? Kind of, yeah. The idea is yeah. you have a joint uniform distribution, or any kind of distribution, yeah. Pareto, logarithmic, or log. I hear, I hear the uh, dials flipping over yeah. right now. There's, yeah. Uh, what is that massive sound? <sighs> it sounds like snoring. 500,000 yeah. people snoring. Yeah, you, you know there's another Matrix called a Ronskin. Did you know that? A Ronskin. 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 Like a Jacobian. And you don't hear much of that on popular uh, radio, talk well, radio. Well, at the risk of... Com- completely boring our audience. Can you give it to me in 20 seconds? No, I don't remember, oh. but it, it's just there. <laughs> Great. So I guess we better get on to our news stories. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I guess we need to make a note of this week. Not only did we have a compelling interview yeah. with Larry Clayman. That was great. I was uh, sorry I couldn't be here for it. Well, I wish you could have been here because uh, what he's doing could be quite groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what plays out based upon his act. Because things happen when he's been involved in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he's really getting involved in this UFO thing, uh, there could be some big news coming out of this. So wow. I'd be very, very curious to see what, what he does uh, from mm-hmm. this. Uh, one other thing before we start that we, I guess we need to acknowledge is this week we've had another major change in our show is we have uh, actually introduced a new theme song. Yeah. And uh, after five years of being on the air, we, we're trying something new with a new theme song. Yeah. Uh, what it means is you'll be getting a little bit more Future Quake every day, mm-hmm. uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, and I want to thank uh, a fan of the show out there who goes by the name of Dr. Schloss that actually <laughs> produced the uh, song. And uh, he actually uh, provided this for us to use. Wow. He calls it Future Quake. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. And uh, kind of hip, I want to. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like the old theme a little bit, you know? A little bit. Maybe, maybe a tribute maybe, to the old theme. Maybe a little brighter, a little bit more visionary, not quite as dark. Yeah. But um, No words. Anyway, it's a little bit of a break. It's a it's a cleansing of the palate for our eardrums. There and you go. Uh, so, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. Let us know what you think about it. Um, you said, you'd you like me to do a quick one? Um, do you want to rock, paper, scissors? You can do it if you want well, to do it. Well, I just want to say, I, I have no feeling either way. Do it. 
Uh, you go ahead. All right. Yeah, you balked on me there. <laughs> okay. Better take your base. This is uh, Mark uh, Sanford, uh, the illustrious... Oh, Sanford and Sons? No. Man, I love that red truck he had. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, that make you Lamont. I was always a Grady fan myself. Really? Yeah, Grady was the coolest guy on TV. <laughs> uh, Mark Sanford, the governor of South Carolina, who's had oh. a very interesting month. Um, there's a story here that uh, Mark uh, Sanford cites secretive Christian groups' role in helping confront a fair. And this, I believe, is in the U.S. News and World Report. Uh, it says uh, Mark Sanford's news conference today was unusual for a lot of reasons, but here's a less obvious one. The South Carolina governor referred to C Street, a Washington dormitory for lawmakers, funded by a highly secretive Christian organization called the Fellowship. The Fellowship is the group behind the National Prayer Breakfast, where President Obama rolled out his Office of Faith-Based Neighborhood Partnerships earlier this year. It's rare for elected officials to publicly allude to C Street or to anything affiliated with the Fellowship. But here's the exchange between Sanford and a reporter. Question. Did your wife and your family know about the affair before the trip to Argentina? Sanford. Yes. We've been working through this thing for about the last five months. I've been to a lot of different, as part of what we called C Street, when I was in Washington. It was, believe it or not, a Christian Bible study. Some folks that asked members of Congress hard questions that I think were very, very important. And I've been working with them. I see Cubby Culpertson in the back of the room. I would, like, I would consider him a spiritual giant. I yeah, The Associated Press wrote about the fellowship in 2003. Interesting to note that Senator John Ensign, who admitted to an extramarital affair recently, is also closely affiliated with the group and is a resident of C Street. Hmm. Six members of Congress live in a $1.1 million Capitol Hill townhouse that is subsidized by a secretive religious organization, tax records show. The lawmakers, all Christians, pay low rent to live in the stately red brick three-story house on C Street, two blocks from the Capitol. It is maintained by a group alternatively known as the Fellowship and the Foundation, and by a group alternatively known, and uh, it brings together world leaders and elected officials through religion. The Fellowship hosts receptions, luncheons, and prayer meetings on the first two floors of the house, which is registered with the Internal Revenue Service as a church. Whoa. The six lawmakers, Representative Zach Womp of Tennessee, uh, Republican of Tennessee, Bart Stupak, Democrat Michigan, Jim DeMint, Republican South Carolina, Mike Doyle, Democrat Pennsylvania, and Senators John Ensign, Republican Nevada, and Sam Brownback, Republican Kansas, live in private rooms upstairs. Rent is $600 a month, DeMint said. Hmm. Our goal is singular, and that is to hope that we can assist them in better understanding the teachings of Christ and applying it to their jobs said Richard Carver, a member of the Fellowship's Board of Directors who served as an Assistant Secretary of the Air Force during the Reagan administration. The house, valued at $1.1 million, is owned by the C Street Center, a sister organization of the Fellowship. It received more than $145,000 in Fellowship grants between 1997 and 2000, according to IRS records, including $96,400 in 1998 in reducing debt. Its tenants dine together once a week to discuss religion in their daily lives. We do have a Bible study, said DeMint, a Presbyterian, who asked to move into the house less than a year ago when there was a vacancy. Hmm. 
Somebody will share a verse or a thought, but mostly it's more of an accountability group to talk about things that are going on in our lives and how we're dealing with them. So it's not really a Bible study. Well, if you and the fellowship are willing to talk about its mission, so it's secretive. Secretive. It organizes the annual uh, prayer breakfast uh, attended by the president, members of Congress, and dignitaries from around the world. The group leaves its name off the program, even though it spent $924,373 to host the event in 2001, bringing in $606,292 in proceeds, according to the most available IRS records. This whole thing sounds really Gnostic. And pays travel expenses for all foreign officials to attend. It's like Gnosticism, kind of. I don't know. I don't see Jesus meeting in back rooms with people. It's got to be secretive. Secret deals. Here we go. Have you read more about this group? Yeah, I got a whole bunch, actually. They come up in my article. Okay. Okay, so you're going to allude further on yeah. this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You, wanna, you want You want me to hit it? Dive into it, yeah. All right. Uh, well, Reverend Sung Young Moon, the Moonies, and the Unification Church. Uh, there's this big connection with all of this. Where's this article coming from? This article article is coming from Rents.com. Okay, but it's somebody who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, Jerry something or other. I can't remember. Okay, something yeah. or other. Yeah. Okay, I'm here for you. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, the the article's super long, so I'm just going to kind of jump right into the okay. into the middle of it, and we're probably not going to get through all of it here. So okay, even even with our expanded right. format, you know. Uh, for those of, for those few of you who are not familiar with the Reverend Moon, in the 60s, both he and his Unification Church were uni- universally regarded as a dangerous cult. The abuse his followers suffered at his hands of their mind-manipulating master is indeed very well established. The new Messiah who has come to fulfill the mission of God was is his moniker. He also claims that it is his mission to unite the world through uniting religious forces. But it would shock you to know that nearly all the big-name Christian evangelicals have extremely strong ties to him. One such leader, an internationally recognized evangelical Christian, Jerry Falwell, readily admits that he accepted $2.5 million from Moon in 1994 in order to bail out his Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. This was funneled through a Moon organization known as the Women's Federation for World Peace, which has been chaired by Beverly LaHaye. Uh, wife of Timothy LaHaye, who is the popular co-author of the Left Behind Christian Fiction book series and a well-known evangelical Christian. The Women's Federation for World Peace paid $3.5 million to the Christian Heritage Foundation, which in turn bought Falwell's $73 million debt and then, frankly, wrote it off. The Heritage Foundation... Uh, where have I heard that name, the Heritage Foundation? Are well, they, they're, a big, they're, they're a big conservative think tank. Yeah, but they're also... Yeah, I was going to say they're a think tank, right? The Heritage Foundation then, then seems to have paid themselves the fee of $1 million for all their trouble. Since that time, Falwell has spoken at many Mooney fun- functions, embracing the cult leader with unabashed reverence and friendship. Even writings from Moon's church confirm Falwell's com- comradeship with the new Messiah and his cult. Moon has even been a guest speaker in mainland denominational Christian churches in the past few years. Wow, that I didn't know. Follower further praised Reverend Moon, calling him an unsung hero to the cause of freedom, who is to be commended for his determination, courage, and endurance in support of his beliefs. And I actually don't have, uh, from a freedom standpoint, I don't have him, you know, I don't have a problem with Falwell coming together with Moon and saying, look, we all, we obviously disagree with things, but we have mm-hmm. to work for religious freedom. Taking $73 million uh, from him, well, he, do, do you have a quote in that article about what he said about taking the money? Yes, we're coming to that. 
Um, I think that's an important thing to read. Yeah. Here, I'll just I'll just go right to the quote. Because uh, he was confronted about it. Yeah. Falwell stated openly, if the American Atheist Society or Saddam Hussein himself ever send an unrestricted gift to any of my mis- ministries, be assured I will operate on Billy Sunday's philosophy. The devil's had it long enough and quickly cashed the check. Falwell is not the only evangelist. Well, let me, let me just stop for a minute thinking yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. He is in a dilemma that many high-profile Christian leaders who become national in scope or international have, mm-hmm. where they build a huge following, and then they build huge infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Well, he has a huge university. I'm sure a lot of good things happen. We know some people that go there. Do we? Uh, yes. Okay. And uh, I guess we do. I'm sorry. I forgot. And we, you know, there's good stuff happens from this. There's no question about the virtues of some, some output. But when you have all that infrastructure, and it could be a mega church, but, you know, this is a... a Trans church ministry that goes, you know, mm-hmm. nationwide, worldwide. You got to somehow figure out how to keep the money coming in and keep it running. Mm-hmm. So there's a temptation to cut corners for maybe what you would have done in your early days coming up to try to keep everything going, and you can rationalize it by saying all these are virtuous things going on. So the thought I had in my head, uh, and again, I think Jerry Falwell has done many, many good things in the past, mm-hmm. but. I think something when someone is in that position maybe ought to think about is that when you decide that, hey, where this is coming from or whether it's somebody I'd want to be associated with to come from, when when I can, can justify compromising to take that kind of money, are you not, in effect, telling the Lord that what I am doing and the missions I'm doing are so critical i am so critical to the mission that we have to compromise thing because i got to do what i'm doing and i prayed to the lord and i said lord thank you and then the lord looked at me and said no jerry thank you i don't don't think i don't know what you're talking about well it's a it's it's a uh, prayer that somebody said on on a stage one time about themselves well (laughs) and i see that and i see that that as as nutty as that sounds uh most i find most people who are really at the top leadership sort of exemplify that are exemplars. Mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. I could see them praying that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but, could, but it's basically saying that the Lord can't accomplish His mission without what I'm doing. Therefore, we have to throw everything aside, any kind of standards that we have. Sure. Because what I'm doing is so critical, God wouldn't be able to pull it off otherwise. Yeah. yeah what you're saying is, well, you know, God's great and everything, but He's really not coming through. So we're just going to have to make a deal with the devil. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so, glad we're on the same page there. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of the... And, and I'm trying to be gentle because I can understand that would be a seductive position. And it's the challenge that comes with success is, is to have this... You're thinking, oh, all these people are in our employment. We've got all these good people working. Good things are going on. But, you know, contributions are down. And I'm wondering if a lot of these mega churches are thinking through how this same thing could happen. Now, they're not as likely a target, probably, if they're not as influential as some of these other ministries. Now, but now, can Jerry Fall, he's a smart man. Can he think that there are strings attached any time a gentleman like this is giving major donations? And it's not like he gave him a $50 check. He gave him, he wrote off $73 million of his debt. I mean, come on now. And he did that without any kind of, I mean... Being a highly controversial figure, Reverend Moon, doesn't he declare himself to be the Messiah? He says he's the Messiah, yes. Yeah. He and his wife are the Messiah. They were the first Adams, one of his quotes, uh, that uh, he's there to, you know, to bring all of the churches together, uh, various things like that. 
So if a guy like that, who's very, very controversial, marrying like hundreds of people at a time and big mm-hmm. ceremonies, if he's coming in with that kind of money, trying to establish uh, legitimacy and credibility, would one not think, hey, I'm being exploited here? And, and if one recognizes that and doesn't care anyway, then somebody's going to really look at what they're doing in the body of Christ. Well, this is this is my feeling. Now, I'm not picking on him. He was just the first one. You sure, read. no. You got other people in the same boat. Right? And, uh, gosh, this may be one of those articles that we just I just it's going to sit here on my little in my little pile, yeah. and we'll go through a couple. If pages you want to do week. some more, do it. Do it well, I just I just have this comment that, um, you know, a lot of times, I don't know. It just this whole thing reminds me of like, Balaam. You know, he's riding his donkey. And he says, he, you know, he, the Lord says, I want you to go do this. And he says, I want to go do this. He says, I want to go do this. And the Lord says, no, go do this. And after the third time, uh, the Lord finally just says, okay, go do what you need to do. And it becomes this it becomes this weird thing. I see this in pastors sometimes. They go and they go, I just really want a bigger fellowship. And, you know, maybe the Lord's saying, no, you don't want a bigger mm-hmm. fellowship. You want... You are the guy for the forty for the forty person fellowship, and I want you to just love on those people with right. all your might. Right. And but they ignore and do that. it until I come. Yeah, and they ignore that advice, and then their fellowship eventually, you know, their the fellowship expands there, and uh, what happens is they go, yes, I I got what I knew I could get, mm-hmm. and God's opinion is that wasn't me, mm-hmm. that was you. Right. And what's going to happen is. Uh, wood hand stubble is going to get burned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, except mm-hmm. instead of that happening, what they do is they dig a deeper hole and just show uh, how corrupt they are. Uh, right. I hate to put it that way because it sounds really harsh. Well, and let me spread the blame around. We have congregations that want to see this new pizzazzy stuff from pastors. You know, pastors and staff can, or any ministry leaders can be just like politicians. Oh, of course. Give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. If the people actually give positive feedback to big, snazzy, you know, big-name people coming in your church or big, elaborate events at your church or big extravaganzas mm-hmm. or, or, or these big, kind of showy things that you do, um, that's going to send a message to staff and other people. Now, they should be mature enough Christians to see through it, but we're all human. You'd hope. So I think the people of the church, you know, I see a lot of churches set their ministers up on pedestals. And sometimes they can be the worst enemy of ministers because they're still human beings and they're susceptible to thinking, I'm above. Mark Sanford, who we just talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously he thought he was above reproach and untouchable and was his own undoing. And how many pastors do we see? Sometimes they're set up by people. Sometimes they, you know, but but a lot of times they they sort of believe their own press, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, totally. It's kooky. And we all have a vulnerability to that. And so I'm just saying those of us out there who you may be serving in a small role in your church or on a deacon board or staff or things like that, just recognize the vulnerability that your pastor and staff has. And don't try not to get them put in a position where they start thinking something they are, which maybe the Lord doesn't want them to be. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't help enable the stumbling block of pride. Sure, sure. No, I agree with. While we that. look at ourselves too. Yeah. Gosh, man, I I could I really I could go on and on and on with that, but I want to tie this back to our other article about the CNP. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read another page here. Okay. Uh, another moon-sponsored organization is the Council of National Policy, founded in 1981 by Tim LaHaye and the aforementioned co-author of the Left Behind book series. 
It is reported that he received $500,000 from a Mr. Bo Hypak, Moon's number one man and a former Korean CIA officer. Uh, a tape exists showing that LeHay thanked Pak for the money, which I've heard. LeHay never denied the charges, but verbally attacked the sources, uh, like Constance Cumby, uh, verifying the allegation with a barrage of insults. Other members of the CNP have included Beverly and Lee Hay, Gary Bauer, Bill Bright, James Dobson, Bill Duggan, Ron Goodwin, Robert Grant, Rebecca Haglin, Bob Jones, Alan Keyes. I was surprised about that one. Uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy, Peter Marshall, Sam Moore, Pat Robertson. Not surprised about that one. Reverend Dwayne Motley, Ralph Reed, Oliver North. That was a very interesting one, as in like Ollie North. Mm-hmm. Um, Phyllis uh, Schlafly. No, Shafley. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I always mispronounce Schlafly. her name. I'm sorry. It's hard to say. Yeah, if she's listening, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Reverend Jim Woodward, John Ankerberg. Uh, who I was sort of surprised. Yeah, very disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Reverend E.W. Evie Hill, James Robinson, Jay Sekulow, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Boone, Larry Larry Burkett, Reed Larson, and many others. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a number of guests on our show who we have since found out go to the meetings. Indeed. Uh, we, we had Chuck Missler on. Mm-hmm. Remember Chuck Missler said, Chuck yeah, I was, I was talking to uh, uh, see, uh, Jerome Corsi. At the CNP meeting, mm-hmm. he mentioned that uh, even Stan Monteith used to go. Who, yeah. Although he tells me now that he, he does not affiliate yep. with them, but there's but a long. <laughs> um, Larry Clayman said this week that uh, it was outside a CNP meeting with some other figures that they came up with the idea about imp- uh, pushing for the impeachment of Clinton. Huh. Wow. So that's what these religious leaders are, you know, spending their time doing is hmm. figuring out how to impeach people and. Wow, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, away from their, away from their ministries. The CMP comes up frequently, and you know they even have media arms that uh, are part of that, and then go out through the Christian talk shows and mm-hmm. promote what they decide. Yeah. Who they vet for? Sure. It's very much candidates. like it's very much like um, uh, what I guess Scott, both Scott McClellan and Dick Cheney sort of admitted that during Gulf War '03, they had secret military plants. Uh, government plants in the in the media to uh, uh, to sell the war. Right. Yeah. It's very much the same same sort of gig, you know. That's uh, right. Which is all very Christian, you know. <laughs> uh, said very sarcastically, in case anybody has m- any misunderstanding. If I can mention something in our last two minutes here, yeah. um, there was a, an article that came out. Actually, it was compiled by Sharon Gilbert. Who was one of our early guests on our show? In yeah, our, in, how in, are they doing? You know, era. But yeah. she she compiled it from another website uh, uh, that uh, I actually checked out, and it's a legitimate story she refers to on here. Uh, she says, "Get ready for your flu shot, everyone." Uh, when the Obama's new health care package gains traction, uh, one of the features will be compulsory vaccinations for all participants. Um, the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius has just offered $35 million to a privately owned company called Protein Sciences to refine its DNA-based vaccine against swine flu. Uh, in the excerpt of it, it says that uh, HHS notes, and she cites the reference on here uh, mm-hmm. from the government website, that if this new technology is demonstrated to be safe and effective, and if the FDA licenses the new technology for flu vaccines, 
The contract requires the company to provide a finished vaccine within 12 weeks of pandemic onset and produce 50 million doses of the flu vaccine. Wow. Um, they said now they call it a technology, not a vaccine. Um, it and out the DNA-based concoction will have no time to undergo human trials. In other words, you and I will be the guinea pig. Boink. Um, but it's basically a uh, something that's messing around with fundamental DNA. Great. Um, on on what it is, and you know, uh, I think a number of people died from the last swine flu vaccine mm-hmm. that was given that they had to recall and stop. So now they're getting more serious with what's going on in here. So. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the way that is, and, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, I was going to say swine, but that wouldn't be good. <laughs> what would be a good reference for Merv? Uh, for Part of the Worldwide Unification Church? No, that oh, probably no, he wouldn't appreciate that, too. <laughs> for lack of better reference, here is our friend Merv to tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're coming out of the line. Let's hit we it. We got now. that extra minute and Let's, half in here. Pretty yeah. leisurely, wasn't it? I know. I feel like I'm strolling down memory lane. We still get all through like two or three stories. Yeah, I know. It's funny. For well, the, for the I'm time sorry. That this we one have. is going to be an ongoing one, I think, for me. You think so? Yeah. Uh, the CNP gets more and more interesting all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. If if uh, you just take the word interesting and supplant it nefarious. <laughs> Well, I don't know so much about that yet, but we're, we're finding out more, but we need to go. You're right. It's no big deal that yeah. they took took money from a guy who says he's the Messiah. You're right. Not a big deal. Well, we, that's to be continued, but okay. we've got to say goodbye. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao, baby. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. quake.